0: Morning. four minutes past four. Brrr. Actually, I'm only doing... It's not as cold as it was yesterday. Yesterday was definitely cold. This morning, I walk out with my gloves on. And I felt such a fool because, you know, everybody else has not got gloves on. But I got really angry this morning, early, which is, which is actually quite unusual. Normally, it takes me to sort of pick up the papers before I get angry. But as I come into Leicester Square, uh, there are three lads walking towards me. You know, clutching their food, looking a bit stupid. And they get to the waste paper basket, the bin, there's a very tall bin halfway down the street, full of rubbish, and one of them kicks it over. So now the poor street cleaner's got to pick it all up again. And I wanted to say to him, are you really as stupid as you look? But, you know, and he, he sort of looked at me in a sneering kind of way, and I thought, do you know, there are prats and there are people like you out there. You know, if I just wanted a policeman to walk around the corner and go, oi, you, numpty, back here, pick it all up and make them stand there, and then bring a film crap and film him, and go, you really are the stupidest person in the world. What's the point of doing that? The poor cleaner's now got to come along and pick up all this rubbish that he's just kicked it over. Even one of his friends, who looked a bit, even marginally thicker than his other friend, said, what'd you do that for? And he's going, the mm, a bit Neanderthal. Oh, it's ridiculous, honestly. Stupid things like that. Anyway, it's nice to have your company. I hope you're well. Hope you're feeling good this morning. Wasn't it lovely? Isn't it? I'm so delighted, uh, you know, because in all this doom, gloom and despondency, there is happiness on the horizon. Yes, smiling Natasha the Cheat gigs, otherwise known as the easiest woman up north, especially if your name's uh, Ryan, uh, is now back with her uh, her plank of a husband, Rodri. And so they're pictured on the front of the papers now. And she's, she's got her arm round his shoulder and she's saying, listen, there's a camera looking at her smile, try it, smile, OK? Because I'm milking this for all it's worth. And now they say they're back together again. Saddos. sadder. She's laughing at him. You know, because that's why she cheated. Not not the one-night stand for, for Natasha. Well, no, claim to fame, eight-year affair. A bit like Edwina Curry. How long did that affair go on for? Donkey's years. Donkey's years. You know, it's just ridiculous. So here she is. I mean, she's a desperately sad, lonely person. And he just looks sad and pathetic. But luckily there was a cameraman there to capture that happy moment. Where uh, and then and they, 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 he, he was giving her a kiss because, frankly, he hasn't got anybody he hasn't got anybody at all and you feel a bit sorry for him in, in the fact that he can't even hang on to his wife who's literally made a laughing stock of him you know, if you want to laugh at anybody laugh at Rodri Giggs, the saddo who can't even hang on to his wife because she's off with his, with his brother for eight years but the sort of pictures of pretending to be together I mean, you know, if you can't even keep your marriage together, Rodri I'd give up now, mate, I'd give up now it's just ridiculous. I do like the idea. Somebody said the other day, you know when we, we've said to people, right, you will go to prison for life? Well, apparently the European Union have now agreed that life in certain cases can mean life. People do not come outside of prison. They spend the rest of their life. Because a few people had launched... Um, um, I think um, a, a disputes procedure over the fact that they they said it was an infringement of their human rights and uh, and and they shouldn't be punished like this. You think you're murderers? What do you think you're in there for? A holiday or make Christmas decorations? Now you stay and then you rot in hell. You know nobody cares about you. However, the uh, the jailed hate preacher Abu is it Qatada can't be deported by Britain because the European Court of Human Rights have said that um, he could be attacked if he goes to Jordan. Good. Good. I'm sorry. I think I'm in keeping with the rest of the country. Kick this fat, overweight, useless lump out of the country. He's a hate preacher. He's a sad, pathetic little thing. He lives on benefits. He doesn't serve any useful purpose to anybody. But we can't kick him out, so he's here for the rest of his life. Perhaps he'll be run over by a bus. Couldn't be that lucky, could we, I suppose? A ghastly person. He was a lieutenant, branded lieutenant, of Osama bin Laden. Dead, I believe. So that's more good news this morning for everybody. I was a bit sad to see Muhammad Ali on the television. He's looking a bit uh, a bit old now, and now he's he's 70, and uh, I think there was an interview with, with David Frost, and they put up subtitles, bless his heart, underneath what he was saying, and I could understand what he was saying. I thought, subtitle, how rude is that? But uh, anyway, born Cassius Clay, I used to love him on Parky's show. I was going to whoop him. I was going to do this. I, was... I just thought he was—he was just sort of great. I think he used to beat people into submission. The in fact he was a very good boxer, of course, is good. So they have to get a picture of him, you know, sort of holding his hands up like he's still boxing. He's seventy, for God's sake. He hasn't boxed for donkey's years. Uh, so that—that's in the paper today. And um, the uh, the captain of the ship. This is the uh, the Costa Concordia. They've got lots more pictures, and uh, he's in handcuffs now. Good. Good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then this other strange story, which I'd only, only sort of picked up on after Christo mentioned it, about a girl of 19 who posed as three different boys so she could um, do things with girls. I'm looking at a picture of it. She comes from Staines. Now, normally, you know, it's, it's Staines is, as you know... Generally, the, the the collecting point for the Jeremy Kyle show, and I've come to the conclusion that they all they do is they just go to the Elmsley Centre and go, "You'll do, you all of you, all to come in," because that's where they get the, the they get generally the Jeremy Kyle show uh, audience from. I know I used to live in Staines, just off the the Leyland Road, and believe you me, it is as revolting as you think it is. I mean, there's no way calling it Stains on Thames could you ever make Stains more appealing to people? Just that's the very word Stains. Kind of sums it up, doesn't it? You know exactly what to expect when you go there. A dump. And you're not disappointed. And the good news is that you can circumvent the town. They've actually very kindly put in, like, a little ring rose. You don't even need to go in the Elmsley Centre, which is just awful. I mean, it's just... The whole place is ghastly. It really is. So, in fact, the quicker you go round Staines, the better. Over the little bridge and off into nice places like... Um, like Windsor, which is a bit further down the road, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's quite a bit further down the road. It's, it's, it's either stains that people come from nowadays or Wales. There's a bloke who won a million pounds on the lottery and apparently he's a former cage fighter. His name is Gavin Davis. He looks like a bit of a plank. And he's, uh, he hasn't bought this, uh, this car yet because he, he wants to buy... He, he used to have an Audi and he wants to buy now, I think, a Lamborghini uh, Galeado Spider, which is £150,000. To be honest with you, if you're driving an Audi, I shouldn't imagine anybody will have be been shoring you love. You know, but he, he, because he, he's but he is he's a bit dim. And uh, he says I'm a cage fighter. He's only been he's only been in two cage fights. He apparently used to be um what did he used to he used to be something a bit naff. And uh, and then he uh, and then he sort of won all this money, so he's gonna buy his dream car. Is he's only is he's anyone a million? You know, very short he will be like, I think. He will be like exactly um, that uh, Mikey Carroll, you know, the, the bin man who won all the money and then luckily lost it and we all laughed, which is fantastic, absolutely fantastic. I was so happy when he lost all that money. Uh, a lot of people were talking about the smoking because apparently Christo had a caller on, John, who, who, couldn't, who couldn't give up smoking. And I think I heard at one point, I can't remember if he said that he cried every day because he wanted to stop. And I thought, well, you, you can actually do anything that you want to do. I don't believe people who go, I can't do it. Listen, there are certain things I can't do. You know, I I could not climb Everest. I could not swim underwater. There are certain things I can't do. But if it's something like giving up smoking or giving up drinking, you can do it. It is actually possible to... do. You've just got to have the willpower. And, And Andrew in Highgate says uh, I know you need short messages, but this one was composed to help poor John on Christo's show, but it took so long to write The moment was missed up to you. The poor chap for some reason is deliberately self setting him up se- self setting himself up to fail a very simple position to create, a very simple one to uncreate it 's not the smoking that 's the issue, but a defiance relating to some other reason to shout. To be heard. Goodness knows what it is, but whatever it is, he wants to be heard. Stopping smoking is delightfully easy peasy, says Andrew, and he must and will succeed. It's not really addictive. He's hurting via a personal issue that, bless him, is using to flagellate himself. He should cuddle up and pray for me, in my hour of needing care. I mean, I haven't given up, but simply haven't smoked. Not been an idiot for over six years. Give him a cuddle, and uh, and then the, the man might better stop smoking. Because you can do it. I don't believe anybody who says they can't stop smoking. You can stop smoking, if you want to. If you don't want to stop smoking, you won't. People go, i tell you what I'll do now. I'll just, um, I'll, I'll stop smoking next week. You know, I'll just smoke this packet of cigarettes. I'll just do this, or I'll just do that. And you think, no, if you want to stop smoking, stop smoking now. Well, what's the difference? For it? Well, I'll just smoke the rest of this, this, this packet of 200. And then I'll stop smoking. And you go, well, why can't you do it now? Well, I, I don't want to waste them. Don't, give them away. Give them to somebody else. Go on the streets. Give them to somebody who's standing there with a fag in the round. They'll be very grateful. Here you have some free cigarettes. They won't take them, of course, because they'll all be a little bit worried that, uh, that there's something the matter with them. But it is, it's easy to stop smoking, isn't it? 0845 oh, six, oh, six, oh, oh, 973. I managed to do it. Now, over ten years, I mean, I'm not, you know, I've not got any halo going on or anything like that, because I, I, I don't think it's something you should go, ooh, look, haven't, haven't I done really well? I just think that you sort of, you want to do it. If you want to stop smoking, you stop smoking. If you want to die, die. I don't care. I can't, I can't stop anybody smoking. I mean, I used to love it. I mean, I really did. God, that first cigarette in the morning. And you know the best time was in the middle of winter, where you go outside and you, and you blow the smoke in, and it just looks lovely it just looks really nice there's something about there's something very appealing about you know undoing the wrapper taking out that little foil bit and then and taking the cigarette out so if you couldn't get them out you'd have to shake the packet and then lighting it gosh i love it so i love it to pieces i couldn't do it now because because i, I don't think i'd be very well again but it's, it's just it's just an interesting concept that people say i'm definitely going to stop smoking and then and they always come up with the same arguments what am i going to do with my hands what do I do with my hands? I'm also I'm going to put on weight. Now, you're going to put on weight anyway. That's got nothing to do with it. You don't eat more because you stop smoking. Admittedly, smoking can be uh, an appetite suppressant. So, in fact, there was probably a very good argument that if you keep smoking, you're going to be thin. But I know lots of fat people who smoke, so it quite clearly doesn't work. You know, what do you do with your hands in between meals? Well, I don't know. You just... Strangely enough, you find things to do. I know it sounds dark. You don't, you don't think about it after a while. I don't sit there thinking, oh, I must have a cigarette. I really must. But occasionally, I see somebody having a ciggy and I think, oh, I'd quite like one. i quite fancy a cigarette. But I won't, of course. So if you want to give up, you can. And, and we've all got the reasons for giving up and we've all got the methods for giving up. Some people say acupuncture. Some people say Alan Carr. Some people say hypnosis. Uh, some people say the patches. I personally gave up on patches. And, uh, and very good for me it was, too. Quarter past four, it's LBC 97.3's Early Breakfast with Steve Allen till 6.30. LBC ninety seven Obviously, John on Cristo show must have touched a nerve. He must have said something that triggered it off, because Colin wrote to me and says... Uh, I think it was a letter that he'd also written, written to Christo, and he said, I have to agree with Marsha. The only person that can help John is John. It's a, it's a mind over matter thing, and it did seem like he was making a lot of excuses. Maybe he's scared of giving up, and what he'd replace a cigarette with. Because that's what people worry about, isn't it? It's like, if, if I give up smoking, what else am I going to do? And you think, well... Why can't you just stop? I know people have got these um tobacco free cigarettes, you know the ones that blow out and you could probably sit in the office upstairs and, and get away with it. I did buy one. It's 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 a bit it's a bit laborious. June Brown's got one. In fact, June Brown during our in-conversation <laughs> interview last year puffed away on one for the whole interview. And of course it's just it's vapor. That's all it is. Colin gave up drinking last September. He was an alcoholic for 5 years. I just woke up one morning and said, "Right, that's it." I've given up drinking, as from today. Haven't had a drink since, and feel better for it. But you're still an alcoholic, aren't you? I understand that the, the correct terminology is once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, because it only takes that one drink to get you back on it again. It's having the willpower, and you can do... I believe you can do anything. Let's face it, my auntie Enid has abstained from sex for the last 45 years... Well, I say she's abstained. It, it's kind of given up on her, so she doesn't really... And she said, to be honest with you, she said, after, after the first sort of ten years, you don't really think about it anymore. I said, it's funny that, I because I think about it all the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have managed to give that up as of yet. But if you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. It just means that you've not had a drink. You're an alcoholic who is dry, but that one drink can get you back on it again. I mean, it doesn't matter if some doctor turns around to you and says, you're going to die if you don't stop smoking because you 're still going to carry on smoking. I told you when I was in having my stents done, I was in a mixed ward don't like mixed wards at all actually <laughs> feel slightly uncomfortable not not for me but for the for the ladies in there. I think ladies should have a separate ward. I just think it should should be like that and uh, the amount of people in there couldn 't wait to get back outside and have a fag and I think you're in here because you 've got clogged arteries you 're in here because you know you were one moment away from a heart attack and you know, you should better give up. But even after having the operation, people still didn't give up. They obviously didn't want to. And if you don't want to give up, don't don't give up. But don't make excuses like, oh, I can't do it because of this. And what am I going to do as a substitute? The only person who can stop is you. I think, to be honest with you, a lot of people are just big girls' blouses when it comes to stop it, stop smoking. It's like, you know, I don't want to wear high heels anymore. I don't wear high heels anymore. Grow up, be an adult. You know, oh, I, you know, I, I really don't don't want to be fat, but I do like Kentucky Fried Chicken. Well, then you're going to be fat, aren't you? Because that's the way it works. You know, I, I don't want to be fat, and I love, I love McDonald's and chips and, and things fried. Well, you're going to be fat then, aren't you? You're not going to lose weight doing things like that. So that's why you have, to make, you have to make the effort. You have to help yourself. You have to be able to do it yourself. It doesn't always work, but you just have to be strong. And it's no good doing it with other people. I mean, Krista, at the moment, as you know... He's actually getting in training for his his uh, theatrical debut. I'm, slightly, I'm, I'm seeking lawyer's advice on this one. So it's got radio legend Christo Fufas. And I, I don't actually think he's been in the business long enough to be a legend. I think you have to be in the business, you know, something like 30-plus years to get to legend status like, like myself and, uh, and maybe a few other people. But I, I don't think Christo is a radio legend. But he, he's in this thing called Glitterballs. I've got this horrible feeling it's going to be very camp. I don't know why. I, I, I don't think you're going to be dealing with um, with sort of, you know, anything any You know, it's not going to be quite serious. So the, uh, it's in Karsholton at the Charles Cryer Studio Theatre. I think that's in February. I think the end of February through through to March. SuttonTheatres.co.uk apparently you have got details. And there's a picture on this flyer. that He's, he's given me this flyer. And I said, oh, who the dickens is that? And he said, it's not me. I've looked at it. It could be him. Because it's uh, it's set in a... I think it's set in a drag bar. That's all I'll tell you. Radio legend, cheeky devil. Um, Steve, uh, this is from uh, from Junior. He says, Still in hospital. Oh, you live in hospital, don't you? I mean, some people. Do you like the food or something? Have you got used to the nurses' uniforms? He says, I will be home Saturday as a trial to see how I cope. He's in, a, he's in a private hospital now. He said, I ask, I get, I put on more weight, which is helping. Very comfy. All the better knowing my insurance company's picking up the bill. <laughs> It's true. That's the best way. I, I went uh, private years and years I had an operation, and I can't remember what it was for. I think I had a growth in my mouth. And um, so I went in to have this, this thing cut out. I think it was on the gum or something. And all it was a Nuffield hospital. That's all I remember. And when I woke up from the operation, because you know you, you go in for an operation. I don't know if you've ever had an operation where they put you out, but they ask you to count. I don't know why. And I was only, I think, about 14 at the time. So... <coughs> all I can remember is being wheeled into surgery, and they've got a syringe, which what was filled with what looked like Vaseline to me. And it seemed a fairly big syringe, and they sort of injected it in my arm, and the nurse said, OK, can you count to, uh, to ten for us? I thought, of course I can. One. And that was it. I was out. I was gone completely. I was obviously one of these brilliant people who goes under very quickly. So when eventually I came out of surgery, which could have been... I mean, I have no idea how long I was in there for, because I was out. And what did I have a craving for? Marmite sandwiches. I had to have Marmite sandwiches. And being private, you get whatever you want. So I went, can I have Marmite sandwiches. My parents were there. I think they have to be there just in case you don't come round after the anaesthetic. <laughs> and they were wishing they'd up the insurance. But anyway, so so I then get the Marmite sandwiches. And I was probably sick over the bed <laughs> because it, it just reacts very badly. But it was exactly what I wanted. I just had to get Marmite sandwiches. Very funny indeed. Uh, John Napper got a mention the other day. On our program, because he used to do all the badges for the programme on the extra podcast. He said I must have made hundreds of thousands of badges over the years, but sadly those days have gone and I've not kept any. In hindsight, I wish I'd hung on to uh, a few examples, but now it's it's too late. The good news is I'm still able to listen to LBC in Rio, thanks to the wonders of modern technology. Thank you, John. Yes, John made thousands of badges for us here at LBC, and I didn't keep any of them. Acacia, I've got a couple of fridge magnets, and we had them which were bottle openers, we had some with my photo on, I mean, there was was about, I think at one point, we had 60 different designs of badges that he made for us, and we gave them away as prizes, and and people saved them, fridge magnets, bottle openers, mirrors, all sorts of exciting things, lovely, absolutely wonderful, happy days, when when, when the box used to arrive, and, and we'd pour through it, looking at all the badges that John had made, really good stuff, so I'm glad you heard the mention, as indeed lots of people get special mentions, on the extra podcast which is which is the free one I did see the coach trip yesterday I did see the coach trip and uh can't stand Paul Paul Burrell, um and uh, Ashleen and Nikki little bit borderline on them at the moment I'm afraid Ashleen's a bit of a worry I mean she really is just uh, just a teensy bit of a, I don't know why she is but uh, I, I think that they will be going very shortly. And, uh, and they all took part in, in a game of Ultimate Frisbee, which was a bit like a hockey match with teams captained by Edwina and Derek. Uh, Paul Burrell won. I did see the summer tobogganing. I quite fancied doing that. I quite fancied doing that. But everybody's voting for everybody. At the moment, I'm, I'm a little bit lost as to where it's, where it's going, this one. Because I don't think they've actually picked the right people. I really don't. I mean, it's Edwina Curry, so-so, yeah, fine. He says, I mean, I hope, you know, it, th- think things are livening up, because I agree with you, the format's looking very tired, and I think the coach should come off the road for a respray, much like Come Dine With Me and none of Channel 4's programmes, which is now looking tired and dated, because they can't find anybody. That's the trouble. And so they have to go. I mean, look, if, if you look at Celebrity Big Brother, or as I call it, Hooker and Coke Dealers, you know, delight, uh, then that's fine. But if you're looking for celebrities, most people don't want to go on it unless you don't have any work like Natalie Cassidy or like that old drunk Denise Welsh, who's just an embarrassment. I'm sorry. I mean, this this woman, I always knew she was she was bad news. And I was, oh, I was sitting on the bus yesterday. I went to Kingston to go and get me Apple TV. Lou was quite right. It's not just a simple matter of plug and play, but we'll come around to that one a bit later. And I'm sitting on the bus and I get the two women in front, two women in front of me and they're gossiping like Les Dawson over the fence. So I said to her, and she said to me, and I couldn't believe it now, it was just wonderful, she said, my, my father, she said, he used, he used to go into Tesco, she said, and, and he, would, he would take a pork pie and he'd eat it on his way round the store. She said, and when he'd get home, we'd empty his pockets and we'd find out that he'd got, he'd got the pork pie wrapper still in there. He used to do it with pepperoni as well. And so they're, they're going on like this, and I'm sitting there thinking, it's like a Victoria Wood sketch. They, they're going on about this thing and they talk about their father, who used to show, she said, oh, of course, I would never shoplift. It's not my kind of thing at all, she said. I, I don't do shoplifting. She said, what about that Anthony Warrall Thompson? She said, what a big girl's blouse he turned out to be. She said, and that rubbish, that rubbish, she said, about when, when, when they sort of said to him it was something that happened in your childhood. She said, what a load of old cobblers. She said, I didn't believe a word of it. She said, to be honest with you, she said, I was looking at him on the television, she said, trying to justify it to somebody. She said, no, I just thought you are a thief. She said, I've been hard up. She said, I've been skint." She said, and I would never steal, never steal. She said, you are telling me? Didn't know what he was doing. And the other woman said, well, I thought he knew what he was doing anyway. And she said, how many times has he done it before? And the woman said, well, I should imagine it's hundreds. <laughs> so this, this went on for the whole year. In the end, I was quite disappointed when they got off. It was like an entertainment show, all for me. But, but, but they were absolutely quite right. They were talking about everybody else, you know, in the same way that we talk about them. Nobody believes Anthony Warrell Thompson at all. He's not a very nice person. We we saw evidence of how arrogant and big-headed he is in the jungle when he practically caused a mutiny. I mean, who does this man think he is? He's just a common tea leaf, ladies and gentlemen. That's all he is, common being the operative word, an embarrassment to all he surveys, and he should have done. As we said the other day, it was the best advice. Issue a statement, I'm very sorry, I'm seeking treatment for it, and then keep your big mouth shut. No, there's a BBC documentary. I should be writing and complaining to points of view about that one. Dear Barry Took... I wish the BBC wouldn't waste... Oh, he's not alive, I wish the BBC wouldn't waste any more of my money on third-rate, naff, washed-up old chefs on television. Thank you very much indeed. Let's have more, you know, more entertainment programmes, not cheap reality shows. I don't want to see Android Weber Webber on my television for a good few years, thank you very much indeed, whether it is a problem with Maria or everything else. 84850, steve at LBC.co.uk, or 0845 6060973. If you agree with me about the uh, the smoking and how... How you can do it. You can do it. And why David Jason's not working on television? David Jason and Lenny Henry pull in fewer than three million viewers. And I think the truth of the matter is, David Jason in The Royal Bodyguard, it's drivel. He's too old to be a bodyguard. There is a limit to how far you can stretch credibility. And unfortunately, David Jason, as a bodyguard, is stretching my credibility. I like David Jason, but I, I think he's a little bit like... Pip Schofield, who's on everything, you know, for goodness sake, just just give it a rest. Say no, stay in for a while, don't keep turning up on every television programme because you're beginning to get on my blooming nerves, you know, and yesterday it was the same old drivel on This Morning, where we do like Holly Willoughby, I like her, there's something about I didn't like her when she first started because I'm a Fern fan. And I thought Fern was sort of the best person, and she laughed, and I think is very infectious on television. So when you see somebody like Fern laughing, it makes me laugh. There's no reason for it. I just, you know, she started laughing, and they would, they would guffaw over the most... Huge, uh, toilet rolls one time, they laughed. They sat there, and obviously somebody had said something in the brain. I had, a, I had a corpsing moment quite a few years ago on LBC, where I was trying to do an interview with this bloke, and I was trying to read the script into a piece that I'd recorded about the Great Western Railway. And the person who'd written it was a big railway enthusiast. It was all terribly wordy and meaningful. And halfway through, I just started laughing. And I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. And, and I laughed during a news bulletin once, which was fatal, because we had whopping phone bills uh, going up. So it was phone bills are going up by a whopping 30%. And then the next thing was a helicopter coming down, but they called it a chopper. And so all I got in my mind was these two words put together, and I laughed throughout the news bulletin. And somebody wrote in and said she was laughing so much with me she burnt her husband's shirt. <laughs> I thought lovely. It's what we like. It's LBC ninety seven point three. How much does a does a copy of the Big Issue cost? Is it a pound or is it about a pound? Is it something like that? You think it's a pound? Yeah, we think so. We're not too sure. I only mention it because there's a big issue seller here. And uh, she's a, a Romanian immigrant. She doesn't speak any English. And uh, she went to claim housing benefit. And they went, no, you're not having housing benefit. Uh, she claims she earns £100 a week selling the big issue. She's obviously not very successful, then, is she? Because uh, if if it sells for a pound, that I means she's selling... Yeah, she makes £100 a week. She said she gets 50% and the other people get 50%. Anyway, um, she actually went in and she she wanted housing benefit, even though... She already qualifies for more than, wait for this, £25,500 a year in benefits. Small wonder we're the laughing stock of Europe, aren't we? People just wet themselves. Let's go to Britain. They'll just hand you the money over. The fact we're all going bankrupt, slowly but surely. Anyway, uh, she has uh, a three-bedroom home. And uh, she wants the benefit to help pay rent on this three-bedroom home. And um, so so what, what she gets at the moment is £326 a week in tax credits, £60.50 in child benefits, £49.30 in disability living allowance. What the hell is that for? Well, she's disabled as well. And £55.50 in carer's allowance. Oh, blimey, it's an old racket, isn't it, this one? £25,000 a year in benefits. And she gets housing for doing nothing. For doing nothing at all. Absolutely ridiculous. What a waste of... Bloody money. It is so appalling. There's pensioners listening at the moment going, can I afford to put the fire on? And she's on 25 and a half grand a year. All she's got to do is flog a few measly copies of the big issue. I shouldn't imagine from now on people will be giving her any money at all, so she'll be claiming even more money. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? It is absolutely ridiculous. We must have the stupidest courts in the entire world, especially after that hate preacher, the radical cleric, cannot be deported, say the human rights judges. You can come here, you could mow down an entire school with a gun, and they'll probably give you a holiday in the Bahamas, because you need to be sorted out. There's some bloke in the paper today. He went up to a pensioner of 92 and punched him in the face so hard that this pensioner slumped to the ground. He's uh, they, They've decided they're not going to send him to prison. The judge is not going to send him to prison. Why? Because this young man was on an anger management course at the time. On an anger management course, so they said it would interrupt the course he's on to put him in prison, so, that, so they've said you don't have to go to prison. Do you know, you sometimes wish the pensioners would arm themselves with 12-bore shotguns and go around and blast these little scroats into, into, into the dim and distant future, I'm afraid. It's just absolutely dreadful, isn't it? It really is. Every time I read something, there's something more in the paper that, that sort of drives you mad. There's a woman here. This is poor Janice Mason. Janice Mason made a bit of a mistake, I'm afraid. She inherited her childhood home from her mother, okay, in Walthamstow. Okay, all well and good, except she didn't move into it straight away. And in that interim period, eight Moldovan squatters moved in. They've changed the locks, they've told her basically to go whistle. And, uh, and the police have said there's nothing they can do about it because it's a civil matter. So the police go round and interview these people who've wheeled in mattresses and they've wheeled in furniture and they've just taken over a house. They don't want to say anything. People just run riot in this country and the police can do nothing. We have to be pussyfooting around. You know, we have, to go, oh, we have to be very careful with these people. They're squatters. They're in somebody else's house. Ha- if this happened in another country, the, the people who own the house be in there with shotguns. They'd blow you to pieces and then kick you out of the house. Over here, a Metropolitan Police spokesman said, squatting in an empty property remains a civil matter and the owners were advised accordingly. It's just ludicrous, isn't it? So this poor woman, Janice Mason, has had to watch these people who don't do anything. They just, they just move into people's property. They've got all the stuff. Mattresses, televisions, three-piece... How oh, they get it, I've got no idea. Perhaps we give them that as well. And So now she hasn't got a property and somebody else is, uh, is in it. and They laugh at her. They jeer at her through, through the windows. I tell you, I'd be, I'd, I'd be inclined to sort of bring in, you know, take the law into your own hands. It's, it, it can't be far off that, can it? Because every time you open up the papers, there's something going wrong somewhere. You won't believe this, but there's... You know, we had the, the metal thieves. Because most, most uh, people who deal in, in scrap metal are bent. You know most of them are bent, don't you? In fact, I would say nearly 100% of scrap metal dealers are crooks. Because they're the only people buying it. You know, if if you steal something that's metal, you can't melt it down. You sell it to the scrap metal dealers. Well absolutely dreadful, in a chapel at Manchester Cathedral, a two-foot solid silver cross has been snatched from the altar. Not only that, but a bronze figure of Christ on a grave outside on, you know, just a nice thing to have over somebody's grave. They've they've, they've taken a chainsaw and they've cut it down to sell it for scrap. The, the cross from the church is worth about 5000 um, and the actual crucifix and Christ on, on the on the cross is probably only worth a few hundred pounds but it's been taken by somebody to thieve. You remember of course um, there was a woman, I think she was jailed yesterday, Lana Clitheroe, jailed for four months after admitting taking a bronze war, war memorial from outside a church in Lewisham uh, Lana Clitheroe, a piece of filth if you ask me, tried to sell it to a scrap dealer for a hundred but he actually refused so she sold it in the street for 15 quid to buy beer. They've never got it back but then I, I did... Perhaps I shouldn't smile at this one. But yesterday, I get to the station, and Waterloo, and they said, oh, the train from um, uh, Salisbury has been cancelled due to theft. Because what people do is they steal from the railways. They steal copper tube. They steal everything. And there's a bloke here, Gary Lawton, who comes from Stoke-on-Trent. He was uh, trying to steal copper from an electricity substation. He electrocuted himself. He's dead. I can't help feeling... Well, kind of your own fault, isn't it, really? You want to go stealing from a substation, it's your own problem. He, he, he was found uh, at the substation with a ladder and a bolt cutter. The coroner recorded a verdict of accidental death, saying Lawton had been up to no good. Up to no good. It's dead now, isn't he? But uh, apparently he said to the girlfriend or the wife or whatever she was, I'm just going about I'll have some money, you know, probably later in the week. And he was he was going to steal from a substation. So he, he tried to steal the copper and he got electrocuted. So uh, he's no more. I mean, you know, half of me's thinking, well, that's good news, isn't it? And the other half's thinking, is there no security around these places now? Do people just steal everything? And the answer is, yes, they do. People just take everything, because we're, we're almost becoming a bit lawless in this country. Unless you think differently. You, you might think that, you know, not like that at all. I'm just over sort of egging the pudding, as they used to every week when they used to do Crime Watch. At the end, they say, well, you know, don't, don't worry. It's not as bad as we've just painted it for the last hour. You know, we really haven't been dealing with murders and people being beaten up in their own homes. Now you have to put up with sort of benefit fraudsters and people who nick copper cabling from railways from just about anywhere that they can get it and they even even cut down war memorials and they prize plaques off the war dead I mean it's just you know I'd hang these people I'm sorry I'd absolutely hang them I've got no sympathy for these people whatsoever absolutely nothing at all and uh, and Charles says I've been at home sick for three weeks now well pull yourself up out of bed for goodness sake what do you mean three weeks sick what sort of illness have you got that can warrant you being in bed for three weeks? It's disgraceful. And she says, "All I crave and can eat now are Marmite sandwiches. You can never have enough of them. It has to be thin bread, though, doesn't it? You cannot do a Marmite sandwich on thick bread. And I did buy a loaf the other day. And I'm not really. I'm trying to cut back on the bread. And it was one of those poppy-seeded loaves. From Waitrose, it was terribly posh, you know. And and I picked it up, and it comes in its own brown bag and everything. And and I took it to the checkout, and I thought, I thought it'd be about a pound, two pound thirty. This loaf was. I sort of looked at it again, and I thought, what the hell warrants it being £2.30? It, seemed, it tasted lovely. It was very nice. I bought some wheelbarrow butter, unsalted because it's Dutch. And, and I've got a bit bored with anchor and all the other things that i <laughs> put in my body now. But I, I quite like it. I quite like it. You're quite right, says Bob, giving up smoking. It's hard work, but thousands of people do it every year. It's not its not a crying issue. Yes, I believe John was saying that he actually cried because he wanted to stop smoking. And I'm thinking, the moment uh, that, that was... Uh, that, that that was said on, on the programme. I then thought, no, I think there are other issues. I think there are other issues. You, you don't cry about not being able to give up smoking. It would have to be something else. Uh, Lee says, uh, you make me laugh, and because I'm unable to read the papers, you keep me up to date. My ex-husband died last year, having smoked for years and having spent much of his time in the pub. Kidney and liver failure, having uh, had part of one lung removed. Now, he really had no interest. If he had... Maybe he wouldn't have spent so much time abusing his body. It's terrible here how sad and depressed some people are about it. But if they had somebody to talk things over with and maybe found something interesting to do or help somebody less fortunate, they would find it rewarding and it would most certainly be a step up the ladder to helping themselves. Yes, you have to better help yourself. You know, you cannot turn round for the whole of your life... You know, I mean, we only highlight the case of Sarah Harding, the so-called singer from Girls Aloud, who, laughingly said to the papers the other day, I think I'd like to get back into my acting. I thought, we've never seen you act yet. I mean, get back into it, love. There's no career for you. There's no career. You don't just sort of... You go go into rehab, you have a meltdown while you're on a skiing holiday, and, and then come back and go, I think I'll go back into acting. Why don't you just learn to do one thing good? Why don't you learn to go, hello, would you like fries with that? It's McDonald's cola. Would you like ice? You know, learn to do something Learn to do something, so give something back, as opposed to, at 30 years old, being a bit of a waste of space and being a bit needy. You know, at some point, you have to take responsibility for running your own life. At some point, you have to make decisions which affect the way you're going to be for the rest of your life. And if you can't handle your booze, or you can't handle giving up smoking, then you have to go and talk to somebody who can help you. You know, I I really don't think that anybody could, could ever get to the stage where they cry about not being able to give up smoking, because you just stop smoking. You just, you just don't buy any cigarettes. I mean, I don't see what, see what the problem is. Not really. Bridget uh, follows on from yesterday uh, when we were talking about dressing dogs up. And she says, I couldn't agree more about that stupid woman. She was, um, she was a beautician from Kent. and She dressed her dogs up. Uh, in fact, her uh, chihuahua had 1,500 outfits, which she quite clearly bought on eBay. Uh, Bridget says, we have nine dogs. And they don't own one piece of clothing between them because they are Dogs. Absolutely. That's how it works. But stupid people who dress dogs up, I'm afraid. It's just it's, it's embarrassing for the dogs. You know, dogs don't like dressing up in things. And People go, oh, I, I love it. I love it. You know, it's wonderful. Um, Diana says, I heard your comment about Hounslow High Street. I love the street. Prefer it to Richmond. The variety of shops is amazing. And uh, I, can, I can't get 12 peppers for a pound in Richmond with my sight problem. The courtesy people is delightful. The Richmond people want me to walk on the curb with my indicator cane and shopping trolley rather than take up the space on the pavement for their double buggies. Ooh, double buggies. Ooh, double buggies. I just think condoms. You know, why didn't you use condoms more? Double buggies. And sometimes they have two, two buggies and, and then they have one hanging around their neck as well, which is Fantastic which is absolutely wonderful. You think, that's good. But again, I think, could you not afford condoms? You know, because you, you you go to Starbucks and you're negotiating the double buggies and they're all over the place. And if you're really, really unlucky, you get some woman breastfeeding at the front of the shop. Ooh, scary. You know, I don't have a problem with women breastfeeding, but not in public. Do it privately, you know. it's Otherwise, it's a bit, it's a bit naff, I'm afraid. All this garbage about, well, the kid's got to eat. You know, it, well, just make it wait. Make it wait a little bit. Go and do it somewhere... You know, that's a bit more discreet, I think. Always gets people going that one. I quite like that. Uh, Another one here. Uh, Whilst enjoying your wishful bravado about little outs in Leicester Square, please remember it's easy to be a hard man after the uh, event, and I suspect the reality you avoided eye contact and scurried along uh, is because you're not a hard man. No, why would you want a knife in your back? You'd have to be a bit stupid for that, wouldn't you? I mean, I'm assuming you're probably one of those sort of people. You wouldn't do it either, because you sound a little bit girls' blousy to me, and uh, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't make confrontation. You know, three people and one person is a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? Even for you, I should imagine. Uh, Mick says, uh, "Did you start LBC when you were six, seven? I think. I think I was no seven and a half. I was seven and a half when I started LBC." Uh, other stories in the papers today: The Express. Uh, oh, they're offering a free milkshake for every reader. Oh, God, how awful! Cheap naff milkshakes. This one is worth ninety nine p, so it's it's, it's going to be milk with a bit of chocolate powder in, isn't it? Although we do like chocolate milkshakes, don't we? We do like that. Uh, more on this uh, this hate preacher. My oh, God, he's ugly, and uh, he's in the paper today with all his free shopping. You know, because we're we're actually paying for it. Do you think if all these people hate us so much, why are they still here? Because because we actually fund their lifestyle. So this terror cleric is allowed to say... Pathetic, isn't it, really? Quarter to five. This is LBC 97. 13 minutes to five. It's very nice to have your company. Brian says, Read the war memorial theft, Steve. Why did the scrap dealer not call the police when he refused to buy it? Because I should imagine if he went round his scrap yard, you'd know what else you might find. <laughs> so that'd be the kind of thing. He, he, I mean, put it aside, He must have known what it was because if it's got people's names on and, and a year, then you know it's it's off a war memorial. So perhaps he, he was somebody who had a pang of conscience. That'd be good. Um, a friend of mine says, I've had two cigarettes this morning since 3am, and now I'm chewing Nicorette gum. Giving up, not going well. <laughs> I think patches, Lou, patches work really well. They worked for me, but then I became addicted to the patches. <laughs> it's quite an expensive hobby, because then I also learnt to smoke with the patches. And that means you get double hit of the nicotine, but the, but the patches for me, I remember coming to work one time and, and, I, and I thought, oh, I've not put a patch on. So I had to send the, the programme assistant up the road to go and get the patches and uh, came back. And as soon as I put it on, I felt so much better about life. But I, I did become a little bit addicted to patches but for giving up. But it was the only, I, I couldn't do the chewing gum. The, the chewing gum wouldn't work for me. I mean, I think patches are, are definitely better. Well, I hope they're better. That's, that's what I think. But uh, what do I know, for goodness sake? I just, I just wanted to give up and I thought it would be a, a good idea. You just, you know, you have to want to do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. If you enjoy, if you're one of those people that can have just a couple of cigarettes a day, then then brilliant. And I think it's, it's um, a miracle, an absolute miracle if you can only smoke, you know, twice a day. Because the moment you've had that first cigarette, you want the second one, don't you? I, I mean, if if they invented a cigarette that didn't get wet in the shower, I could have actually smoked in the shower and been quite happy with it. Uh, Holly says, I read that story about the Romanian woman last night. This is a woman who, who we've had to pay for an interpreter. She doesn't speak any English. Uh, and she's on £25,500 a year benefit. She sells the big issue. And uh, she says it opens the doors to lots of other Romanians to come here. I thought, oh, please not. She said, who work hard. Yes, but, but working hard means, you know, in this country, you, you work... I don't think standing out there going, big issue, big issue, is called working hard. That's not working hard. What's difficult about that? You go and buy some big issues from somebody, you stand on the street, big issue, big issue. That's all they say. They don't seem to the anything. I don't have a conversation with you about it. They just want you to buy the big issue. That's, that's all it is. That's, that's not hard working. And for this, we give them a lifestyle which is over and above anything they've ever had before. Anyway, Holly says, my brother is 16 years old. He's got a muscle-wasting disease, which means he can't walk far and struggles with walking, especially in this weather. Doctor said we should apply for disability for him, but when we did, we got refused on the basis that because he can dress himself and doesn't need personal care, he's not entitled to it. He says stories like this woman. I mean, all she's claiming is what she's entitled to, and she decided to milk the whole system. So 25,500 a year plus £100 a week, you know, in, in cash for selling the big issue, and she thinks that's working hard. I'd love to know where she came from, but <laughs> what qualifies as working hard? And Holly says, uh, genuine people get turned away. People like her get everything on a plate. What's happened to Great Britain? Well, it, it's Great Britain for everybody else, except if you're British, I'm afraid. You know, if you're a murderer or a rapist, chances are you'll find some, some lawyer who will defend you, and we, and we can't send you back anyway because of your human rights. You know, the fact if this particular uh, hate cleric goes back to Jordan, he, he could be abused. So... Why should we be worried? Why should we be worried about things like that? But we have to be because they go, oh, that'll be awful for him because he he won't get a fair trial. You go, so? Why have we we put up with him here? Send him back where he came from. You know, it's just ridiculous. Paul in Manchester says, uh, last night we were talking about old children's TV shows and Mr Ben was mentioned. And it got me thinking, this was a show transmitted 30-odd years ago based on the premise that a seemingly successful businessman went to a certain shop every day and then returned home, never buying anything. At the end of every show, he could be found putting items in a drawer for which he had, want of better word, nicked. You don't think it was the Anthony Worrell Thompson show, do you? You don't think that? Every time I see him now, that smug face on television, it really drives me mad. <laughs> but uh, having listened to, to, to people talking on, on the bus... The other day, I did think that that was particularly good. It's so funny. You can listen to people's conversations. The the funniest ones are the, are the school children. Yeah, but, no, but, yeah, but, no, but, yeah, but, no, but. Because they can't string two words together. And the blokes who think they've come from the Bronx. Yeah, so I said to her, she's wicked girl, wicked girl, this girl. She said to me, she want to kiss me like nothing. You know, and I go, I don't want to do like tongues or nothing like that. And the, and you turn around thinking you're going to see somebody who's American or something. Or somebody who's come from somewhere else. And, and they look about the same as me. Just a slightly younger version, it has to be said. Very funny. Very, very funny. Uh, Bob as well says, and says um, brilliant to listen to you again. Thank you very much indeed. We don't, we don't have bad programmes, but we do have a free podcast. It's good, at it? We have a free podcast. Just after the programme every day, we go and record about 15, 20 minutes. I don't know what it's going to include today. I really don't know what it's going to include. It'll be something exciting. Something rivetingly exciting, which you'll be going, good grief, I didn't know about that, Steve. And so we'll talk about that, and then you could download it. It only runs about uh, between 15 and 20 minutes every day. I just try, I try and sort of guess when, when I've got to about 20 minutes. And so we just we just sail through it, and then you can download it later. If you want further details, go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and you'll find details on there, and you could just register it. It's free, and, and I, I think it sends it to you. Every day, I think so. I'm not. I'm, to, to be honest with you, I don't even podcast myself, so I've got no idea how it works. I'm, you're, you're listening to an idiot this morning because I've got no idea how these. I just know that thousands of you every day download it, which we're very grateful, and and it doesn't cost you a penny piece. But even if you did pay, which you do for the shows and all the other stuff, it's worth it. From as little as I think two pounds a month, you can download everything, absolutely everything. It's just the uh, the little one. That we actually put in is uh, is just so it's it's a free gift. It's like it's like a little bonus every day. Uh, another one here. Um, this is oh uh, okay, so There was more on this very strange story of um, of the teenage girl leading a double life, pretending to be a boy on the internet so that she could effectively talk to other people. Um, although strangely enough, the people who she spoke to knew exactly who she was. And um, and it's all one of these things. It, 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 the only thing it proves to me is that when you go on the internet and you see somebody that you're talking to, maybe on a chat line or whatever it happens to be, you're not too sure whether or not it is actually them. You know, it might be somebody pretending... To be a person. You remember I said yesterday we had somebody who wrote in saying, I spoke to you on Facebook five years ago and I said, well, you can't have done I've never been on Facebook in my life. So God knows who you were talking to. Um, and and that's, that's, that's the dangerous thing. You've got to make sure that you know who it is because people hide on the internet. Generally people who've got an illness or something like that or they're a bit, they're a bit sad and they're a bit lonely and they just like to make up personas for themselves. Cheekbones to die for and the look of the film star Isabelle Rossellini. There's a a model here, Uh, Hane Ban Ben uh, Abdusselam. She's the new face of Longcom, and she's the first ever Muslim cover girl. She's a, a Tunisian beauty has been chosen to represent a groundbreaking foundation which has been specially formulated for all skin types. Tans- oh, that's all it is. <laughs> she's just a model, OK? It makes no difference whether she's Muslim or tradition or comes from the planet Zob. Doesn't make any difference at all. Apparently, she made her modelling debut with Vivian Westwood, and uh, the president of Lancôme said, it's incredible how much she reminds me of a young Isabella. Obviously a lot cheaper, though, I should imagine, at Longcom Getting out there going, listen, can we afford Isabella Rossellini? No, let's find somebody cheaper. Oh, she's got some tag or something. Yeah, she's Muslim. Fantastic. Let's go for that one. Let's go for the Muslim line. That'll win everybody over. Ridiculous, isn't it? The things they come up with. We're we're supposed to believe all this guff. Ian says, uh, giving up smoking. I used to live with a girl who tried giving up smoking. Became so grumpy, in the end, I bought her a packet of fags. And she was driving me mad. Well, some people do get a bit, a bit crotchety, don't they, if they don't have cigarettes. It's like Denise Welsh on celebrity, <laughs> joke, big brother, uh, where if she doesn't have a drink, she's a very nasty person, and then she has drinks and she's even nastier. Like Anthony Cotton, another nasty piece of work on the television. I think I don't think the, 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 these people realise just how horrible they are on booze, whereas me, I'm fab on booze. I'm abs- I just become stupid. I become more... Sorry, I become more stupid, <laughs> beg your pardon. Uh, lots of birthdays. Oh, t- strangely enough... How funny is this bit? How funny. I was going to to save this for the free podcast, but I'll chuck it in now because I'm in that kind of mood today. And I want to talk about bed and breakfast after the news at five because I don't think I've ever done bed... I've done posh bed and breakfast, but I've not done ordinary bed and breakfast. But Bob Geldof has revealed in a new series how his cheeky comments... (laughs) you ever ever see Bob being cheeky? No. He was always a bore, I'm afraid. A real dreary bore with a bawling voice as well. He was a bit like a rich child. Talking like this all the time. Dole, dull, dull. I was think Bob Geldof was the most boring man under the sun. And he says that the reason that the Boomtown Rats didn't crack America... He says, we went to a convention of American DJs and were told our gig was very important to our careers. And he said, I asked the audience, you know, about the DJs. He said, I started taking the mickey, so that's why we never cracked it in America. No, you never cracked it in America because the Boomtown Rats weren't any good. That's the reason you never cracked it over there, matey. You know, a couple of hit singles, the rest of it. I I had to laugh when we got the greatest hits album. I'd never heard of half of them. Answer, answer, because they were all B-sides. It was part of our rubbish. I mean, let's face it. I don't like Mondays. Only got to number 73 in the American charts. Otherwise seen as a dismal failure, I'm afraid. No, the Boomtown Rats were a dreadful group. Absolutely the worst ever. So it's got nothing at all to do with the fact that you were offensive to some DJs at a convention. It's because of the fact you weren't good enough. Simple as that. Why do these people put these silly obstacles up again? They've actually got a picture of this, uh, this metal thief, unemployed father of three, Gary Lawton. He looks like he's a tea leaf as well, actually. But he had burns and abrasions to his body and been electrocuted. Abandoned by his accomplice. But they've uh, been unable to gather enough evidence to arrest anybody. Somebody will be sitting at home now going, well, he seemed all right yesterday. Going, dead now, isn't he, really? But that's what happens when you go stealing from other people. Kind of your own fault, I'm afraid. Kind of your own fault. Um, there was a bingo winner. Oh, here she is again. This is Soraya Lowell. Uh, they bought an ice cream van. With, uh, with, the, with the money. They scooped £1.2 million. Pounds. And, and now they, they've actually got nothing. They've got nothing. She blew a million pounds in four years. Not bad going, is it? I mean, a million pound in four years, good for her. But there again, most people who win a lot of money, they don't seek the the advice that they offer. And the the, the lottery people offer advice. To people, and they say, Listen, you know, you, you've won a million pounds. Doesn't matter if you win a million or you win 50 million, they offer you free advice. Most people don't want to take it because they know what they want to do. They want to buy a house, they want to buy a new car, they probably want to give up work if they've won enough, and they want to help the family out. And they don't think they need to pay for that advice. Unfortunately, in the case of this couple, they were too stupid and they didn't take the advice and they wasted it. They owe fortunes all over the place, because people think a million pounds lasts forever. And believe you me, it doesn't. You know, you cannot go out and buy a big flash house and a big flash car. That's why when I mean, you've got this, this lottery winner from Wales, and he's won a million pounds, he's going to buy this Lamborghini. He'll never get insurance for it. They'll look at him and go, what did you do, form a former cage fighter? That's why he's driving a, driving a clapped-out old Audi, I think, at the moment. They're not going to insure him. They're going to go, I don't think so. You know, it might, might be your dream car, pal, but I don't think you'll be driving it at all. Uh, Carol says, ''My husband died suddenly in 2002.'' I was in tired accommodation, I was informed by the benefits people that myself at 41, too young for a widow's pension. My husband was 54 when he died, self-employed, paid taxes, national insurance, I lost my home, my soulmate and my three children lost their father. But at least you make me smile. There you go, you see. Out of doom, gloom and despondency comes a big smile and this morning we're beaming a smile to every one of you because it's so blooming miserable outside and it's cold, but not as cold the other day, so uh, just remember, an extra vest on this morning... And uh, have to take take your gloves out as well. About the other side of the news at five this morning on LBC ninety seven point three. I want to know about bed and breakfast. Actually, if you've stayed in in bed and breakfast, and uh, uh, is, is it really the old seaside landlady who you'll know, be down for breakfast at seven and we finish at eight? Is it really like that? More after the news at five. Read for you this morning by Sam Pettis. Morning, coming up four minutes past five. It's Wednesday morning in London town. Not as cold as yesterday, but apparently by Friday, if you live up north, and I feel sorry for you, you're going to get some snow. Now, whether we get it down here, I thought yesterday the pavements were a little bit icy, so they've started de-icing. But it isn't until you walk out of a warm building. In fact, it was so cold, even on the train yesterday it was cold. Even on the train, I sat there thinking, I had to put my little gloves on. I sat there thinking, oh, this is just ridiculous. Because some trains you actually get on, and and, and as, the, as the train pulls in, I actually quite like to sort of jump on there because the seats are still warm from the person who's been sitting on them for the last 25 minutes. And so I like to sort of sit there, and you, you pull your coat round you, and you feel quite good about things. And, and, then, and then it pulls out, and you think, it's, every time the door's open, and then people don't bother closing them afterwards. And I like, close the door. So I walked out of here yesterday morning, I thought, really, really feel the cold. So uh, just be careful this morning. It will be a little bit chillier out there uh, than you might be expecting. So wrap up warm. Does Facebook make you sad? I only mention this because there was a a piece in the mail the other day. And they said that if you're feeling down about your life, one quick way to cheer yourself up, maybe to delete your Facebook account. The reason is that pictures posted on the site can make people jealous of somebody else's life. Because I remember I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, oh, I've got so many friends on on Facebook. I said, are they actually, do you know them? And they went, no, not all of them, no. I said, well, how many do you know? And they said, about ten. I said, well, who are the rest? They went, They're just people who've latched onto, the, onto whatever it was, on people's personal sites. So I don't know, actually, whether or not... Uh, it, it's 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 an American study, of course, as you well imagine. We don't we don't waste our time in this. We haven't got any money to waste time within this country on silly things about Facebook. But new research indicates that the more people use the popular social networking website, the more they will believe that others are happier than they are. Does that work like that for you? Oh eight four five six oh six oh nine seven three. If you're on Facebook, and I'm sure there's quite a few of you on Facebook this morning, then do let me know. I mean, do you, do you look at other people's pictures and go? I think they're actually having a better time than I am. And if you've stayed in a in a bed and breakfast recently, are, th- are they good? Are bed and bed and breakfast, good places? Or do you want to stay in a Premier Inn or Travel Lodge or anyone? They're opening up all over the place. There's a resurgence in these. We've just got one opened in Twickenham, which is huge. I think in time for the, uh, for the for the rugby and probably the Olympics as well. There's one in Teddington, one in Richmond. They're all over the place. I've never known. All of a sudden, you know these these. Places spring up all over the place. Like those, those big yellow companies, the storage company. We've got one of those going up in, uh, in Richmond as well. Uh, Re-bed and breakfast, says Brian. I stayed at one in Falmouth. It was bad. I looked at the sauce bottles. They were two years out of date. Well, you know what they do? You know what a lot of, lot of places do? They fill up the sauce bottles from a bigger container. They don't buy new ones. In fact, this, this, the sauce bottle might be out of date, but, in fact, the sauce in there should be all right because they fill them up in the kitchens. I know that because I used to work in a pub a long, long time ago. And we used to have a big... I was going to say a vat of tomato ketchup. I love tomato ketchup. And we used to fill it up into all the bottles. And they do the same in the cafe around the corner here. I've watched them doing it in the morning. Uh, James in Oaks says, Quitting smoking, easy-peasy. If you want to do it, you will. I quit in June 2011. No problem whatsoever. If you don't want to succeed... You won't. Simple as that. Don't give me excuses. Well, people, you know, I, I I agree with you. If if you don't want to stop smoking, you won't stop smoking. If you enjoy smoking, enjoy it. You know, it's not up to us to dictate to people about about how you actually give up smoking. But it, it is possible. You imagine you've only given up since June 2011. May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January. It's only seven months. Not very long at all, is it really? You know... You wait till you've actually gone, I don't know, five years down, down the line. Because believe you me, you do think about it all the time. You do think about it. Uh, Steve, I live in a terrace of local housing association bungalows, mainly inhabited by OAPs. And me, a young newbile, 42-year-old who has a disability, came out of my front door last Thursday and some little thief had nicked my mon- non-slip doormat. They probably thought, it's okay. they're all old in those bungalows, so it doesn't matter, I'll have a doormat. It only costs four quid, but as you say, some people will steal anything, says Nicola. They do, don't they? I find that quite sad, that I bought a friend of mine, Uh, he moved into this house in a very posh part of London, and I bought for the front door two terracotta, and I planted them up myself, um, pots, and I put flowers in and plants and everything. He went away on holiday, he came back, and they'd gone. Somebody had actually stolen them. Somebody actually they, they must have had a car or a lorry because these things were quite heavy. And people pinch anything, and you think, why why are people pinching these things? Answer because because they can. That's why. You know, listening to the, the women on the bus whose whose father used to go shoplifting in Tesco and he'd eat a pork pie as he's going round. Women with, with, with kids in prams do it every day. They're shoplifting every day. The kid sits in the in the, the, the basket as they're pushing them round, the trolley, and the mother will take a packet of Chris, open it, and give it to the kid to keep him quiet. They don't pay for it when they get to the checkout. They just leave the empty wrapper in the bottom. And the shoppers... I mean, if, if I was on the tilt, I'd be going, shall we include the uh, the crisp packet then at the bottom? You know, I've seen, I've seen mothers taking, you know, cakes and biscuits and things, giving them to the kids as they're going round. They're not paying for them. They're thieving it. I see that Northern Ireland have got a cigarette vending machine ban due in March. So cigarettes will no longer be sold in vending machines. I thought that was the, that was the way that you, you bought them nowadays. I thought that they're actually going to stop... Uh, an awful lot of places, selling them. They're going to be hidden as well, aren't they? So that, that's so you better go in there and go, I'm sorry, um, uh, do you have cigarettes? And, you'll be, and it'll be a Harry Potter moment. The assistant will push a button and it'll go, and the doors will open and then the thing will come up and there will be the cigarettes displayed and it'll be quickly, quickly, pick them, pick them. Oh, it's closed again. I'm so sorry, you can't buy cigarettes today. Because that's what it'll be like. You, you won't be to see cigarettes on display. Because they reckon if cigarettes are on display, then that means that people want to smoke them. I didn't think there was that at all. I mean, waitros. there's quite a lot of people who smoke in, in waitros. I see people buying cigarettes. Now. I, don't know what, I don't know what the profit is on cigarettes nowadays. But uh, I like the idea that cigarette. We used to love putting money in cigarette machines, didn't you? You go out there and they were always more expensive in cigarette machines. Very, very expensive, because... And you only sometimes used to get, was it, 16 cigarettes in a packet for £2. I still love it. You know, you push the button, you go... And it falls down, and there's a packet of cigarettes. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. So, England have commenced its ban on tobacco from vending machines from the 1st of October. Oh, I didn't know that. We don't have vending machines either. Blimey. Wales, it's coming in on the 1st of February, and Scotland following suit very shortly. Good Lord. Uh, One man says, recognising that the banning of... The sale of tobacco from vending machines would not in itself solve the problem of children smoking. However, it will remove an easily accessible source of tobacco from underage children, as well as support the thousands of smokers smokers who try to quit each year. So that's obviously uh, from the health minister, who is Edwin Poots, and he says the regulations bring Northern Ireland into line with the rest of the UK. So we don't have cigarette machines either. No idea. No idea. That we, uh, we, we managed to get sh- show. Well, of course, if you're not looking for things like that, you're not looking for them, are you? And, uh, and I wouldn't be looking for a cigarette machine. I quite, I quite like the idea of, uh, of actually sort of going out and buying a packet of cigarettes. I just used to love all of it, the whole thing. So, does Facebook make you sad? Because you're looking at other people's pictures thinking that uh, they're actually doing a lot better than you. Um, there's the Romanian mum. And also, this other one, I don't know if you saw it. I haven't seen it. But it's, uh, it's an issue in Coronation Street which shows a child being smacked. Builder Owen Armstrong slaps his girlfriend's ten-year-old adopted daughter Faye's legs. Furious fans took to Twitter. They was like, furious I was. I was furious. I watched this smacking. And uh, to accuse the soap bosses of pushing the storyline too far. I don't. Strange that, isn't it? We've had murders, we've had everything else. And somebody gives somebody a smack. And they say, you pushed it too far, you know, you've gone too far. Whereas smacking is an everyday occurrence. Isn't it? I mean, yes to smacking children. Absolutely yes, yes, yes. Not, not beating, not thrashing, smacking complete difference. People get their, their knickers in a twist about smacking, don't they? And they start going, well, you can't, you can't beat children. And we're not beating children. This is an unruly child on the television. She's quite nasty. And uh, it's a soap opera as well. But I love the idea that furious fans took to Twitter. So we've had murders, we've had Alan Brad, we've had all sorts of people going on, bodies buried under concrete. No complaint about that. But smack somebody's legs on it and immediately they're all up in arms. They're obviously people who perhaps do a little bit of light shoplifting, me suggests. One fan Twittered, very uncomfortable, wrong on so many levels. Well, that's always written by an idiot. You know, when, whenever anybody says that's wrong on so many levels, you know they're an idiot. They've got nothing. It's, put it to me, these storylines were filmed weeks ago, probably about, I think, I think Coronation Street is about six weeks back, roughly the same as EastEnders. And um, and it, it seems fair enough. It is. A, it's a soap. A soap is supposed to reflect life in its many... Many forms. Unless, of course, you don't do smacking. Unless you're one of those people who thinks that that smacking is is wrong. Uh, Somebody here from the NSPCC, because they always like to get involved, says parents can obviously be pushed to the limit on occasion, but there are more positive ways of correcting a child's behaviour than smacking them. It simply sets a bad example and teaches children that violence is a loose solution. No, it's a threat. It's a blooming threat. I've seen badly behaved children. They end up on the Jeremy Kyle show. These are quite clearly children who who didn't have a smack when they were younger. Excuse me. You can't beat a cup of tea first thing in the morning. You know, you can't. There's something about a cup of tea and a fag, or just a cup of tea in my case, or a bit of fruitcake upstairs. I did, in fact, start on the fruitcake earlier on this morning. I had a look at it. Made myself quite ill with the first mouthful, but it was kind of worth it. Once you've got over the shock of it, when you can't breathe, then, uh, then I'm all right with everything. So, smacking. Were you one of those people who witnessed this? On Coronation Street. Is, is, this, is this wrong for soaps to portray what goes on? Because if, if you don't discipline children, it's only a smack on the legs. She's supposed to be ten. She looks about 25 to me. I can't believe she can't be ten. Can she? She's ten, this girl. Well, she's a very old ten, let me tell you. I mean, she's about 20. You you get a lot of adults playing younger on these programmes. But um, apparently in Britain, as as the law stands, mild smacking is permitted under a reasonable chastisement defence against common assault. The 2004 Children's Act clarifies the defence by making any hitting that causes bruising, swelling, cuts, grazes or scratches punishable up to five years in, in jail. Interesting, isn't it? So you can use reasonable chastisement. So that's good. Which is what he was doing. And that's why it's acceptable. And it is Coronation Street. And she is a badly behaved child. And she has to be taught a lesson. My mother just used to say to me, wait till your father gets home. And that would be enough for you to go, I'm oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Well, you try not to sort of boo-hoo your way through it. And so at the moment your father came in, your mother would shut the kitchen door and you'd be upstairs going, oh, my God, I'm in trouble now. Oh, he's going to... And then all of a sudden... And the, the door would open and my father would come and say, no, don't hit me, and you cower in the corner of your room. Oh, my goodness, it was scary. Quarter past five. <laughs> in the obviously new centre, the headlines with Sam Peters. Thank you, Steve.
1: Plans for a new airport in the Thames Estuary...
0: Morning. You do worry, don't you, about people who take soap operas very seriously? I don't know whether or not people who, who complained on Twitter about the uh, the child smacking scene actually think that somebody will witness that and then do it to their their child. Assuming, yes, you know, it's, it's. I mean, I didn't see anything about. I didn't see it, but I'm looking at the pictures of it. She's supposed to be playing ten years old. She looks about twenty. And hundreds of horrified parents complained about this scene, which showed her being smacked on the legs. And uh, then they took to Twitter and they've accused the soap bosses of pushing the storyline too far. But that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to reflect everything. It's supposed to be a, a sort of... I don't know, a, a little snapshot of life at a particular moment. I mean, you don't really believe there is a place like Coronation Street where the corner shop is seriously run by somebody called Rita, do you? I mean, you know, Rita and... I don't really know, you know, her and all the rest of I Norris. Mean, they're just... They're jokey characters. They're just... They're, they're larger than life. So when you've got that, that peculiar man... I mean, only in Coronation Street could you have a man who runs the cafe with his wife who used to be a bloke. You know, and nobody says a word in Coronation Street where, you know, they're all terribly up in arms about somebody having an affair. And yet the local transsexual who's currently, you know, making your bacon butties, nobody says a word about. How insulting to the poor actress. I'm so sorry. sorry. We, th- we don't think you're attracted enough to be a woman, but we think you look like a, a bloke who's turned into a woman. So if you'd like to do that, Julie, that'll be fine. Oh, OK, fine. So she lives on a barge. And then Roy Cropper... I mean, one of life's losers who goes around with his mother's shopping basket and all the rest of it. Now we've actually seen her. Although in real life, that was Roy's mother, who's now dead. Real shopping basket. So that's why he, he keeps it with him all the time. So he actually goes over there, meets this, this uh, transsexual and comes back and they have a wedding and everything else. And he doesn't think it's unusual. You know, whereas the rest of Coronation Street, nobody's ever said, have you seen that tranny who's working in the cafe on the corner? Because that's what people would say in real life. But they don't because it's a soap. And so people ignore things like that, and so you can have, I mean, I mean, I mean, there really wouldn't be a factory where nobody can use a sewing machine like sort of Underworld or whatever it's called, where you never see any orders going in and out. You just see a couple of people sitting there making small talk over a sewing machine. And at one point, Anthony Cotton, who, of course, was well, well used to sitting behind a sewing machine, seeing as he looks as he grew up in one of those sort of places, sitting there chatting away and making mindless small talk. I mean, it was all different in the early days. You would also never have a street where Ken Barlow had slept with everybody, barring the cat at the beginning who features in the commercial for the thing. I mean, there's. I mean, there's not a woman in the street that Ken Barlow's not had a fling with. Our Deirdre or oh Ken, you know, who sounds like she chain smokes about five hundred fags a day. And so you, you've got this story, and then somebody gives somebody a slap, and everybody goes up in arms. They say it's absolutely dreadful. But the but the producers, are, we have read the script, we think it's absolutely fine. So you know, you you cannot trust people to be television critics if they don't know anything about it. You know, and then of course, but of course, great for the newspapers. They love it. They absolutely love it, because it then gives them a whole page on this, this non-event. Then they can ask somebody from uh, from the NSPCC, they can ask an MP, John Hemming, he says yes to smacking. Uh, the NSPCC say no, it's it's just not good, because people harm their children. But it doesn't make any difference, people will harm their children, whether or not they've been influenced by watching Coronation Street. You know, we've had, we had a couple up in the court the other day, they drowned this boy in the bath. They drowned him in the bath. I mean, it's just absolutely dreadful. Patsy says, a slap? Yes. Legs or hands? Well, that's what it's supposed to... You know, if you've got your legs slapped, you have ow! You know, used to do things like that. So I don't, I don't really see that there's a problem. Unless you think differently. 0845 Len says... Uh, Re-Facebook, or as I call it, face aching. I'm not on it, never will be. Yeah, it still manages to annoy me. It's because people seem to live their lives through it. Well, it's it's like it's like CB radio, isn't it? CB radio years ago was break a break for a copy. Hello? It's powder puff here. Hello? Anybody out there? And then you find some And people would sit on it all night, talking to somebody. Because you could. And it would say, in this area, there's three people. OK, crank your handle up to 22. And then you find yourself talking to people. I knew one girl. I mean, she would literally come home from work at six o'clock, and she would stay on it all the way through till six o'clock the following morning. She was so addicted to it. I did features on LBC about CB radio. It became really in You could go out and buy a little unit, and you could buy the magnetic air that went on the roof of the car, and you could drive around, and you could listen to people's conversations. They were always totally meaningless conversations, but it was a conversation. And Facebook's the same kind of thing, only with pictures. So you can see the person that you're having a conversation with. You know all about them, because either you're on a, a Facebook site where you sort of know you know, something, or you've got something in in common with them, and that gives you something to talk about. So that's why people think it's actually quite good, but they've said now that people are jealous because they look at other people's lifestyle on Facebook and they think, your life's more interesting than mine. But then everybody's life is more interesting. I mean, my life is really, really interesting. Really, you know, compared to some people who probably don't have anything to do in their life. You know, my life's... I mean, I wake up every morning. Unfortunately, recently it's half past one. I lie there thinking, oh, what the time is. (sighs) open one eye and go, half oh, past one, I can't believe it. Oh, it's going to go off in 15 minutes. There's no point in line there waiting for it to go. Might as well get up, mightn't you, if it's something like that. But I, I think I've got a really interesting life. I mean, today I'm going to buy towels. I mean, how interesting is that? There's not many of you can say that, is there? At least I'm not a walker. I'm not the person who goes out walking, because I spoke to somebody a short while ago, and their father uh, used to go walking. So they, they would, And walkers have got all, all the wet weather gear. They've got everything. They have the cagoule, they have the whole thing, we have the hood, we have the gloves. We don't have an umbrella because it looks a bit silly walking the Pennine Way with an umbrella. So you don't take an umbrella, but you have all the wet-weather gear, and they've generally got glasses on, they've got sturdy boots, and, and when you pass other people who are walking, you go, hello, good morning, what have you seen? We've seen a rabbit. Marvellous. Where did you see the rabbit? We saw it over the top of that hill there. You get lovely, lovely views over the top of that hill. Thank you so much. Is there a bed and breakfast near here? And then people get, there is a bed and breakfast. Is it, is it marvellous? Yes, Mrs Henderson runs it. We shall stay there for the night. But this particular person said to me that her her father didn't didn't really want to talk to other people in the bed and breakfast because you don't want to be sitting at a table and people want to talk to you in these places. Hello, where are you from? I don't want to talk to you. I'm ever so sorry. I'm not being rude. I just don't like you. Okay. And uh, okay. Uh, anybody else have having toast for breakfast? Have Have, have you met Mrs. Philpot? Have you met Miss, Mr. Ducksworth here? And so, and all of a sudden, these people are thrown together. They don't want to be thrown together. They don't want to have conversation. It's like sitting on the bus. Somebody will start a conversation with you. I mean, there was a man behind me on the bus yesterday. And I knew we were going wrong when he turned up upstairs with an A to Z in his hand. Turned out he was looking for the Teddington Memorial Hospital, which is great. So we're sort of sitting there. I didn't know that. And then a man comes up the stairs looking a bit like Grizzly Adams. And he says to the bloke who's sitting behind me. He goes, um, he said, "Where are you going to?" He said, "I'm going for Teddington Memorial Hospital." And the bloke said, "Well, that's in Teddington. It's not in Hampton. It's Teddington." He said, "And the bus will tell you. It says Teddington Memorial Hospital. When you get off there, it's over the road." So the bloke goes, "Oh, th- thank you very much indeed for that." And I'm thinking, "Oh, thank God he wasn't coming up the stairs." But the bloke who's going to the hospital is behind me, and then and, the, and then and then I know why he's going to the hospital. <coughs> <laughs> And I'm th- coughing down my back. So, of course, you sit there, don't you? And you, you tend- if somebody coughs behind you and it's a real a real cough, you know, a real... It sounds like they're about to be sick, you know, you turn the collar of your thing up and you sort of duck down and you generally clutch a handkerchief to your mouth, thinking, oh, God, go away. And then it, it, it kind of... <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, God, make him get... I was tempted to turn round and go, you really need that hospital. Get off now. Walk. It'll be so much better for you. Because I hadn't seen what he looked like because you tend not to turn around on a bus and look. And uh, when he actually got off, I, l- I looked out the window, and he's coughing his way down the high street. I thought, oh, blimey, you really are sick. Terrible. Oh, I'll tell you, my bus was happening yesterday. Mine was the happening bus. Every day, I get something going on. I either get people who put their their, their sort of feet up on the front of the bus, which annoys me intensely. I felt like I say, feet off the front of the bus, please. OK. Uh, but on the subject of the uh, of the smacking... I don't know if you're I mean there's supposed to be millions of coronation street viewers I thought it was it was tipping off a little bit at the moment but is is it all right to smack children? were you smacked as a child I was I don't think it made me a different person hasn't made me a violent person I don't think well actually I'm not really but I mean it's I wonder whether or not people think if if you were smacked as a child then you want to smack somebody I mean, I've never wanted to smack somebody at all I've never even thought about it, but I wonder if, if you were smacked as a child, made you a different person? Oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three, or if Or if you're anti the smacking and you think, uh, you know, talking is, is the way forward. Because kids now are so rude. You look at some kids on the street, you couldn't talk to them. You really couldn't talk. I don't think violence is the answer, but on the other hand, I don't think any of us know what the, uh, what the answer is. I don't think we have any idea at all. Because we don't know what... Perhaps cattle prods. Cattle prods would be good for children. Or tasers, which would be quite nice. I don't know what the answer is to badly behaved children, apart from making a TV programme, which they do. And they go, Nanny Knows Best or something. So they bring in this sort of nanny who they take to America and everywhere else. And she tells parents how to deal with unruly children. And it's quite complicated. I didn't realise, you know, it's, I mean, parenting, parenting is a bit of a skill. That's why when you see them on the, uh, on the Jeremy Kyle show, or as I want to rename it, Who Have You Slept With Today?, it's so much easier that way, isn't it? Because half the women have got no idea who the father of their, their children is, and they quite clearly don't know how to bring up children. And the women on the on the Jeremy Carr show do have more tattoos than anybody else I've ever seen before. It must It's tattoo city there. They've got them up the side of their neck, they've got their noses pierced, and oh, it's just disgusting. But uh, whether or not smacking is actually good, I mean, I think it's, it's a discipline. I think it's a discipline. I think you have to have the threat there that if you do something wrong, there will be an act against you. We never thought it was violent. We just thought it was a smack. And it was never, you know, it wasn't sort of over the knee kind of thing. And so, you know, on on, on your bottom or stuff like that. It was just literally on the back of your back of your legs. If, of course, your parents could ever get to the back of your legs, because <laughs> sometimes you'd be running around the bloomin' house trying to get away from them. So I wonder, Oh, eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. Uh, Sarah says they 'd have done more for transsexuals on Coronation street if they' had a, if they 'd had a real life transsexual instead of uh Julie I mean it would have been really good a big gorgeous lady that was a bloke I know, but then of course I mean it would then turn into a drag wouldn 't it and it would just it just wouldn 't quite be right it 's lbc ninety seven point three time now is five <laughs> 27 minutes to six. So were you smacked as a child? Did you get the smack? Or were you one of those lucky children who went through life with nobody smacking you or telling you off? I can't imagine anybody could be that perfect. I don't imagine. I mean, you don't imagine that the royal children were ever smacked, do you? You don't think that Prince Andrew, perhaps that's the way he's turned out at the moment, or Prince Charles, they were ever disciplined. No, because they weren't brought up by their, their mother, they were brought up by nannies. I should imagine the children only emerged into, the, into daylight about 18 years old. The rest of the time, they were sort of cosseted and wrapped in, in cotton wool. 08456060973. Because I think if you were disciplined as a child, it stays with you. It, it teaches you right from wrong. Because if, if you're not disciplined... And we're, we're not talking about, you know, smacking somebody round the head. Although I think I did get that on one occasion. As your father sort of slightly misses the back of your neck. And he gets the side of your head and you know, go, well hurts that. And we did get the cane at school. I, I was old enough to remember getting the cane at school, only because I think they've actually outlawed it now. But that was the worst thing. If you were made to... I can't remember why it was. I think I was, I'd was. obviously done something in class, and I had to stand outside the classroom. And, that's, and you pray that the headmaster is not doing one of his walks through the school to go, What are you doing here? And you go, I've been sent outside the, the class, sir. Uh, right, see me outside my study. And immediately you have to leave there and go to... And, of course, the whole classroom has all sort of raised themselves up a little bit so they can watch you walking across the quadrant to go into... Oh, I snorted again. How funny. <laughs> Twice I've done that. Twice I've done that. I know somebody else who does it around here. But, it's, uh, but it, that, that was the thing. And we did get the cane. And and I don't know if it made any difference to us. It blew me well heard, I know that. I didn't get it that often, but on the odd occasion I did, and it probably might have only been twice or three times in my, in my school life, it obviously had some effect on me, because it obviously made sure I didn't want to do it ever again. Morning, uh, Marion.
2: Good morning, Steve. I love to listen to you. Every time I get up, I put you on first thing.
0: That's what we like to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Well, I can't believe you were ever smacked.
2: Oh, yes, I was. I turned 80 yesterday, and it didn't do me any harm. (laughs) Not that I got it that often, but my mother used to send us up for a penny cane to Pearson's in a small town in Ireland, and you had the shame of being asked by Mr. Murphy, ha ha you were a bold child, were you? Right. And you'd get maybe one smack in the leg, and then there'd be the threat of, Daddy coming home, but all he would do would talk, but you were so ashamed of your father having to tell you off. Oh, dear. Your mother would sort of nag a lot, mm. if you know what I mean, and you'd get one smack in the leg, either with the penny cane or with her hand. But it didn't do any of us, and there were five of us, any harm whatsoever, Steve.
0: No, do you know, I, I think you're in keeping. Marion, thank you for that, thank you for telling us. And I, I think it serves you well as an adult... I think it makes it teaches you right from wrong because we've all done it. Come on, hands up. Every single person listening has done the same thing. There have been times when you've told fibs to your parents about where you were going and who you were seeing because you knew that they wouldn't approve. So you have to tell fibs and you have to hope that your friends cover for you. I think I think parents know. I think parents know that, you know, you are... Fit. It's, it's like women knowing their, their old man's cheating or vice versa. You just know. People haven't... You know, we've all got this this inbuilt thing. Derek Cora turns it into a joke act, of course, you know, saying that he can sort of talk to the dead, which, of course, he can't, because he's not actually living himself. And and, 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 the, and the difference between then and now is the fact that now we've got all these do-gooders and you can't, you can't touch people. They go, no, you can't... You get, you get kids actually saying to police but you can't touch me. And so they, they can behave badly. That's why you get kids shoplifting, because they know that nothing's going to happen to them. They know that the, the law is such an ass in this country that you can get away with just about everything. Kids who will, you know, get, do this, do that. Which reminds me, actually, I, I did. I, I went the other day. I panic sometimes. I, I go out of shops and I think to myself, I haven't picked anything up inadvertently, have I? You know, you don't want to get to that stage where you can't remember if you've picked something up. I know that, uh, you know, I've heard of people before who've had very forgetful illnesses and they've, they've been out and they, they've picked something up, they've walked out, right, then they've walked out the shop and they haven't realised that they've got the thing... Now, that, that would frighten me quite a lot because you do walk out and sometimes people look at you. Well, they look at me a lot. I've also got one of those guilty kind of faces. It's either that or they go, that's that Steve Allen. And and you walk out of somewhere and you think, have I, have I pinched that? Please tell me I've not pinched anything. It would be my worst nightmare if somebody put their hand on my shoulder and go... Excuse me, sir, can we just have a cheque in your pockets? Just in case somebody's put something in there as a joke. You're never too sure, are you? I'm, I'm never sure with anything like that. I do actually worry about it. I do worry about it a lot. And uh, and I suppose, you know, if you are... Oh, look, they've, they've picked up on what we, we, we talked about the other day. Bankers, fat cats and major firms will be able to buy publicity for sponsoring the new Royal Yacht. I said that, didn't I? I said that on the programme. I said, what a brilliant idea for actually having the Royal Yacht, you know, brought to you by B&Q or by Steve Allen on LBC 97.3, you know, 4 till 6.30am and in conversation. You, know, be quite, you, could, you could buy sponsored bits on there. The Queen brought to you by Hellman's Pickles, or something like that, you know, so that so we can actually get some good value out of it. Laura is not on Facebook anymore. She used to have a Facebook account. She says you get a load of idiots on there who annoy you. It's not like having real friends who see you through good times and bad times. So we're talking about Facebook and, and whether or not it actually serves a useful purpose. Uh, whether or not you enjoy it, or whether you're jealous of some of the people you see on there. Because apparently, when people put their photos up, here's me with all my friends, and you think, well, have we got any friends? And, and, and people put things up on there, just, I'm sure, to wind other people up. I know on some sites, you do get some people, a friend of mine went on a magic site in America, he said, people just say the stupidest things. The stupidest, he said, he said either they're just being deliberately obtuse, or they just really are ridiculous, he said, so in the end, you just sort of give up with it. Morning, Ed. Morning, Steve. How are you? I'm. Th- Why don't have a look outside? Nope. Still dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very pleasant, is it? But you know, we I do can, our best. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> so, smacking.
1: Yes, definitely. Oh, definitely good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember one. Instance, now, I, I wasn't a naughty child, you know. My um, mm-hmm. parents, both my parents, you know, they were quite strict. they had, you know, strict up, you know, upbring. Not so much strict upbringings, but you know, they, they, they came from hard times. You mm-hmm. know, um, yeah. uh, being Spanish and living. You know, put it up with the civil war. Hmm. Um, and uh, but I remember one instance that I, when I I stole a packet of crisps from the from the little news agents across the road from, uh, from my
0: school. Oh, hang on, mine. we found another tea leaf. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> it's <Hey>. you. <laughs> packet of you nicked a packet of crisps.
1: I nicked a packet. nicked a packet of crisps.
0: I was 11 years old. So that's what.
1: Like 30 years ago. Stayed with and you, wasn't it? <laughs> he, I see it. I tell you, there are times I sit down and it really does stay with you. Yeah. You know? um, and, did to bag of crisps, and, I, and nothing happened. I thought, oh, no, this is, this is easy. Mm. And I had the money with me, so, you know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't as though I didn't have it. Went again, bang, got caught, you know, got a scruff of the lapels by the shopkeeper. Anyway, school, the school rang my, um, rang my, rang my home, and uh, that afternoon, i you know, Back home, I went, my dad opened the door. Get in, he goes. Boom. Took the belt to my backside. i tell you what, never, ever again.
0: No. Uh, And... used to terrify me because my my, my dad was bigger than I was. I mean, I was fairly tall as a child, but even so, you just didn't want to upset your mum.
1: Oh... Yeah, I mean, well, I didn't really want to upset him both of them because you know because both of them could, could you know could you know could give you give you a whack mm. but it was never done it was never done you know with any with any malicious you know or or any you know or, or any harm you know it was you know no you deserve this you know because of what you've done and it's a lesson not to do it again and it yeah. served it's Listen,
0: you know. yes absolutely i mean i mean to be honest with you i mean you you remember it all those years later i mean i can i can i can picture the scene now i mean it was i had said something to my mother and uh, and she was in the kitchen she just said wait till you, wait, wait till your father gets home and that was enough to put the fear of god into me so i always learned that if ever i went that far and my mum said you wait till your father gets home because he, he would deal with it you think okay. i really don't want to deal with this Oh, no, no it's horrible really no. but I, mean, I I think nowadays people misinterpret you know a good slap around the back of the legs or something like that with with a thrashing and I appreciate the fact that some parents probably can go too far but then they're not proper parents they're probably people who probably got themselves unintentionally pregnant in the first place and they can't yeah. cope with it
1: No you're right I yeah. I mean I have got kids myself you know and and I you know I I relayed that story to them mm. you know if, 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 you know and I you know I I have smacked you know on, on a couple of occasions, you know, in, in the in the past, um, not something you're proud of. You know, it takes away something from from you as a parent. You know, mm. you have this horrible, horrible feeling inside. Yes. you know, When it when it when it does happen, you know, my God, what you know, what you know afterwards, what what, you know, what are my my kids you know. You know,
0: what do they think of me? I remember my, remember my, my, my father saying, he said, ''This is gonna hurt me a lot more than you.'' And I said, ''Well, don't do it then.'' (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no point in upsetting yourself <laughs> but, but, but you're right it, it is it's it's a deterrent ed and it's something that needs to be done and i think that you know the argument against doing it is probably aimed at people who aren't you know rationale thinkers they aren't the sort of people who understand what what discipline is and how you train children and you train children like you train dogs you know, you train children. Children, as I've said before, don't know the difference between right and wrong when they come into the world. They learn pretty quickly. They learn pretty quickly about how, how to upset somebody, how to wind them up. You know, not eating that. I mean, that, that's that classic thing, isn't it? You sit there, you know, your mother would serve you something, you go, I'm not eating that. And she get go, well, well, that's all there is. We haven't got anything else. And of course, at the time, you didn't appreciate it. We, we just thought that food was never ending. You open the cupboard or the fridge and there was, and there was food. There was always food. I can't you know to be honest with you, I can't remember if we had a fridge. We might not even have had a fridge. We weren't a very rich family, you know, not have much money. And um and I remember thinking, you know, food is never ending. My mother always made something out of something. I didn't want to eat this particular thing. And she said eat. she said, There's children starving in other countries. So, of course my glib answer was, Well send it to them then. Let them eat it. I don't want to eat it. Not interested. Not interested. Funny, isn't it? The thing, things you do. And then you get a bit older, and you suddenly think, I wish I'd never said that. I wish I'd never said that. Things you wish you'd never said to your parents. I've always wished I was an Indian. As in... Ooh, 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 ooh. there's a bloke in court the other day. He's, uh, he's a... Ooh, 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 Apache. Well, he dresses up as, a, as, as an Apache. And, um... He 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 went to court in, in Swansea with his girlfriend, who's wearing her pyjamas by the look of it. There's a lot of that in Welsh way. There's a lot of people wearing pyjamas. They do their shopping. And he's, he's been uh, appearing in court charged with keeping dead badger paws and bird wings. And the truth is that because he's an Apache, woo, 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 like that, he, he has to do his, his dances and everything else. He said he, he, found, he found the badger's paws on the road. Like you do, I mean literate around our place you can 't move for badger 's paws sometimes I 'd get out of the car and sweep them off the side of the road and the bird 's wings he said he found in a field and because he has i mean because he 's part of a native apache tribe he doesn 't just dress as it he is part of a native apache tribe whether it 's a genuine one i, I don 't know, but um, due to the complex nature of this evidence they can 't actually prove where he got the badger 's paws from. Apart from a badger, I suppose. Some badger going around on caster somewhere. And so what What they've actually done is that they've sort of taken to the quarter. How you'd ever know that somebody had these things? I don't know. You do get people who live in teepees, don't you, or wigwams. And they, because they like the lifestyle. It's like, I went to a thing in Essex a short while ago, and there were people there who lived as in the Middle Ages. And so they'd all go round going, hey, nonny, no. And cooking, a, you know, in a big um, big pot over a fire. And they're all dressed in sort of... Oil skins. I thought they were just sort of like, like chamois leathers that they'd stitched together and made an outfit out of, and they had bows and arrows and stuff like that, and they, and, and they were living as our, as our ancestors lived, and I thought it's quite nice actually li- li- living in a tent, not in the winter though, very cold, no central heating, and you've just got that fire outside to keep the bears away and stuff like that, but, th- but they, they, they enjoy going around and dressing up, it's like the people who reenact all the battles. You know, the Roundheads and the Cavaliers and everybody else. I mean, they actually enjoy doing it. And I suppose for them, it's actually quite... It's quite nice, isn't it, really? I I didn't dress as anything at all, actually. We didn't have that luxury when I was a child. Uh, We did used to go to the Army and Navy store down in Victoria. I used to go to school in some very odd military outfits. That's all I can tell you, you know. Japanese commander, you know. (laughs) Luftwaffe, anything like that. Fourteen minutes to six. (laughs) In the new centre, the headlines with Sam Pittis.
1: Thank you, Steve. Plans for a new airport in the Thames Estuary exp-
0: Morning. It is good news, isn't it? The EU ruling now that means the UK's most notorious killers can be left to die behind bars. People like Rose West, convicted of ten murders, you know, die in prison. Jeremy Bamber, Dennis Nielsen, uh, Brady and uh, paedophile Robert Black. Uh, because... Life means life. The judges have told them life means life. Jeremy Bamber, I believe, had launched an appeal to say that uh, his whole life sentence condemns him to die behind bars. Oh, well, you're intelligent enough to realise that one. Yep, die behind bars and be buried behind bars as well, I'm afraid. This is a man who shot dead five members of his family and uh, he was joined in this legal battle by two other murderers, Peter Moore and Douglas Vinter, who want to have their sentences regularly reviewed to prove they're now reformed. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Stay and die in there. I think every in, in the country wants you to die in there. We don't want you to sort of come out. I'm not interested whether you're reformed or not. You pay for your crimes. You murder people. You pay for it with your life. Even though, to be honest with you, I wish we'd bring back hanging for certain cases because I don't want to waste money on, um, on uh, that disgusting Rose West or any of the other people, I'm afraid. I really don't. Uh, Re-Facebook, says Paul. I'm part of a group which is devoted to some bloke from Twickenham. There's 1,150 of us. Obviously, we've never met all together, but several of us have met face-to-face. He says, I have to say, I and many others have made lifelong friends from this group, As you might say, how cool is that? He says, it certainly doesn't make me sad, as we're all, you know, daft, as it seems to some, a virtual family, and are there for each other in good times and bad. Maybe it's not for some, but I don't think it's done me any be- any harm, and you'd be amazed. How many of these folk know all about a lady called Noreen, who never gets mentioned on the programme? <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? Never gets mentioned at all on the uh, on the programme. Um Uh, Never had to smack my daughter, says Sue. She knew right from wrong from an early age. Just a stern no. It's like dogs, isn't it? We did hear hear yesterday from Pat who said that, you know, if if a dog doesn't come back to you, when it does come back to you, you give it a a sweet or a treat. You you never hit it or anything like that. That's not nice. Uh, My brothers and myself, says Julian Dagenham, lived in fear of the copper stick. My mother even made us run and get it for it. It's a thick wooden stick used to take the washing out of the tub. But by the way, before the new designs, we used a mangle to get the water. I remember that. We used to have a twin tub. We used to have the clothes that went in one side, and then there was a, a thing that you pulled round, and then you pushed the clothes through there, and it took the water out, and then you put it into the spinner. And it always... You have to sit on the thing, sometimes. Uh, get Well wishes, Steve, to my mum, Jean Burton. she has been very poorly and come out of hospital. Uh, she couldn't wait to get home, as she was missing listening to your show every morning. There you go. Thank you, Deborah. Christine says, my parents never smacked me, and I've always been very well-behaved. hmm <laughs> Um, another one here which says um, uh, you've been extra funny this morning, keep eating the fruitcake <laughs> thank you, parents are to protect from pain, why inflict it 20 years life experience and you can't find the words well you just, when you're dealing with you have to, you have to teach children right from wrong I don't think there's any matter with teaching children they, they do it in school as well and uh, Malcolm says the kid in Corrie got smacked because she deliberately poured a tin of creosote in the garden pond to kill all the fish I know it's not real Yes, I mean, I mean, she's a ghastly child. Ghastly child. But then most of the children in Coronation Street are ghastly, I'm afraid. You've only got to look at poor, poor Gail's wayward son. Horrible, horrible person. Not just in, uh, in the soap, either. I'm 76, Steve, and I can remember my mum smacking me across the legs, which is uh, preferably better than across the head, like some children are. I had utmost respect. Uh, Stephen Harlington says, A clip round the ear, let you know you've done something wrong. Never killed or maimed anybody. My mum still threatens to give me a clip round the ear, and I'm 56 good, isn't it? I, but I think parents should say that. I think parents, you know, should actually, you know, say, listen, no. What is it about the word no? In fact, I remember seeing a T-shirt. What is it about the word no you don't understand? I feel like i could show it to all these ghastly chuggers. Hello? Hello? You've got two minutes? You want to smack in the face? <laughs> I can't bear them. I cannot bear them. just drives me mad. Steve, smokers are weak, arrogant, ignorant and pathetically sad impressionables. Quite possibly, but that is probably the same as drinkers, isn't it? Probably the same as drinkers or, you know, people who are addicted to chocolate. I've heard people say, I'm addicted to chocolate. And I think, oh, that's, that's quite... I've never been addicted to chocolate. I mean, it's, it's, I, I like cheesy Watsits. They're, they're actually quite nice. But I'm not addicted to them. You know, I wouldn't actually go out there and go, I've just got to have them every day. Uh, there's, there, there, there's no food. But I know people who who couldn't go a day without buying a piece of chocolate. They like chocolate because it, it gives them that boost. I think chocolate's got something in it. Uh, fat, I should imagine. Uh, which, which makes you feel feel good about things. And so people, and we used to have Bourneville chocolate, which was X rated. That was for adults only because it was dark chocolate. And I used to think dark chocolate had some, had some mystical ingredient in it that made you like a little stud bunny or something. And so we used to get Bourneville chocolate. It was a bit of a treat. Nowadays, you go into, the, into these sweet shops, so there's just acres and acres of chocolate. But I did see in Marks and Spencer, not Marks and Spencer's, uh, Waitrose the other day, John Lewis, they had aquarium fish, that, uh, but made in chocolate. And they look really good. I mean, they've, they've sort of got different colours on them, and they said a chocolate fish, and I nearly bought them, you know, to give give to the, the godchildren. I thought, you know, that, that'll, that'll be quite exciting, because I've never seen these things before. But, of course, the one thing that you've got in all the shops, what well, what is the next big occurrence of which we do so badly in this country? What is the one thing that will leave people going, oh, not that again? Valentine's Day, all the shops are full of it now, Clinton's got all the cards out to the one I love, from your other boyfriend, you know, that kind of stuff, everybody's doing Valentine's Day, heart-shaped sweets, heart-shaped boxes, there will be delivered here, in this building, guaranteed, on Valentine's Day, about three enormous bouquets, and girls will go oh, for me. Oh, c- surely not for me. They send them to themselves. Okay, what they do is they just uh, they go to the local florists. They arrange, and there'll be a girl sitting on the train on the way home, and she'll have the biggest bunch of flowers, and she'll be she'll look as though she's really loved up, and everybody other per- every other person in the carriage will be looking at her, thinking, "I wish she'd fall under the wheels of this thing because you're getting on my nerves." <laughs> There's always somebody, isn't there? That, were, that they will get all the cards and everything. There's always been a bit of a competition in radio to get to get the most Valentine's cards. I, to be honest with you. I don't make a big thing about it. I really don't. I appreciate the fact that I'm loved and adored by many and we will probably get no cards at all. I only got three last year. I was very disappointed and those ones I'd sent. You know, it's a bit, bit desperate but you have to send yourself some Valentine's cards to try and drum up some interest. But there could be nothing worse, though, could there? It's like, you know, my birthday's coming up quite shortly. I don't want to mention it because James O'Brien never mentioned his birthday at all. Never mentioned it on air, so I won't mention the fact that it's my birthday coming up, and I'm going to be 43, and, and i or is it 44? It's one of the... anyway, something, whatever it is. And it's St Patrick's Day, which is good. Steve, kids know the difference between right and wrong at the age of five. Do you think five? Is, is, that, the, is that the cut-off point for the age thing? Do you think, do you think people really know the difference between right and wrong? Right? I think you... I mean, to be honest with you, I can't remember. I thought it was about 12 or 13... To be honest with you, I can't remember back. I remember certain things back from my childhood. I remember playing in the garden. I remember playing badminton in the garden. Go- we didn't have a big garden. I just remember playing badminton in the garden, and and that was about it. And, I, and but we were very good at playing. You know, we 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 were actually very good at playing when we were children. And and sadly, children nowadays aren't used to playing in their bedrooms because they think it's a very young person's thing to do. But I think I was still playing in my bedroom up to the age of fourteen, fifteen. I was very very good. Steve, says Nicky, I remember getting smacked as a child for wearing a T-shirt with the word punk written on the front of it. Blimey, I wouldn't have been allowed to buy anything like that, let alone wear it. It's amazing what what sort of parents' disciplines. You would see things at school. You know, somebody would bring something and say, I've got to have that, but we never had any money. I don't know how on earth I managed to actually go to school and come home with no money. And yet, you know, nowadays, you actually go out and you think, have I got enough money to buy something? Is my travel card up to date. All these different things that you've got to do. And yet, when you were a kid, I don't remember having any money in my trousers whatsoever. Absolutely nothing. Because you didn't need any money at school. There was nothing to buy. You had the school... Well, i tell you, like, we had the school tuck shop. And that was actually quite good. You could buy sort of, a, you know, a snowball or a fizzy drink or something like that. So I suppose I must have had a little bit of money for that. But the rest of the time, we, we, we seemed to survive on air. How we did it. Even when we went on holiday... I found um, an old passport ages and ages ago. And on the back of it, you had to write down if you were converting currency. And I converted a pound into pesetas. And that was my holiday spending money. A pound, I ask you. I thought I'd done quite well, actually. And then a few years later, I took £10 on holiday. £10? Good grief. I mean, honestly, you spend more than that sort of doing your blooming travel card every day, don't you? Um, there's more, more pictures of this million-pound lotto winner who's going to buy a Lamborghini. No, he won't. He's a very silly-looking boy. He's wearing a flat cap. He, lo- he looks a bit naff. And, um, they they couldn't find the ticket, but he he did find it in his battered old Audi. So now he wants to buy the Lamborghini, and I've said already, he only won a million. He's going to be as daft as Mikey Carroll, who was just nasty as well. And uh, he'll end up probably buying this thing, but never being able to drive it, because he won't get the insurance, which is not good news. Talking of not good news, uh, 300 Gurkhas are going to be... uh, going to be axed, something like 4,000 troops, 400 Gurkhas, I do beg your pardon, and they bear the brunt of the cuts. MOD chiefs are battling, you know, this £38 billion hole which they've actually got, and so 2,900 army personnel will go, 1,000 in the RAF and 300 in the Navy and 400 of the Gurkhas. It's not good news, is it? Not good news at all. Hopefully we'll have some better news for you in the next part of the early breakfast show on LBC 97.3. But the news at six with Sam pitches is up in less than 30 seconds. Fine and digital radio, London's... Best. Morning, five minutes past six. It's very nice to have your company. It's uh, Wednesday, Jan the 18th. Gets ever near a payday, because it's dragged a bit since Christmas, isn't it, this one? you have sort of now rapidly running out of money very quickly. Uh, Dom the Milky says, uh, you just said you're 44 on March 17th. Funny that, I always thought you were slightly older than me. But anyway, I'm 44 today, he says. So you can be the first to wish me a very happy birthday. I think you should actually have it on the float or something. You know, it's my birthday today. You know, hoot or something like that. You know, beep beep, something like that. Uh, Steve, a smack for pouring creosote into the fish I'd have beaten the living daylights out for a Locked her in a room and explained I was from the RSPCA And they were coming for her because she'd killed somebody's pets Yes, absolutely I mean, you can imagine, you know, killing fish by pouring creosote in Actually, strangely enough, creosote is the one thing that most gardeners keep in their garden shares I to love the smell of creosote, I absolutely love it But you don't pour it into a thing, she's a nasty little child anyway Get rid of it, she can't act for toffee either Get rid of her. 1995, Steve, I got a huge box of Thorntons and two dozen roses for Valentine's Day. I thanked my husband. Sadly, he hadn't sent them. 17 years later, it's still a mystery. That's always the worst thing, isn't it? There's nothing worse than getting a Valentine's card and inside it's got either a question mark or a kiss. You know, I think people should actually put a photo of themselves in and a phone number. And that way, if you're interested, you can sort of follow it follow it up. There's no point, is when having... An anonymous card. I don't quite understand the logic behind, because the the shops are full of Valentine's Day stuff, and I don't know who buys it. You know, it's very nice, but the the price of flowers goes up for Valentine's Day. A card is just... okay. that's a card. I suppose if you're married, you should do something. But there again, you don't have to wait every year for it. You should do it anyway. You just have to to give away presents, and uh, and you take somebody out for dinner, or you make somebody breakfast. You just do something for Valentine's Day. I mean, I, I don't think... You have to do it on Feb the 14th. And I don't think you have to buy special chocolates. And you certainly don't want to go to a restaurant and sit there. Because I've been past restaurants on Valentine's Day with a lot of miserable-looking people sitting inside, staring at each other over a table. Nobody talks to anybody. It's like being in a bed and breakfast. So you go there and they go, uh, you like, uh, like a sexy meal tonight? And uh, so you go out there, and they'll have done some special meal in the restaurant. But nobody says anything, do they? Because if you want to be sexy, you're going to stay in. You're going to put your baby doll nighty on. If you're a bloke, and if you're a woman, you boil a suit. And you're going to stay in because that, that that's the most romantic place. You're going to cook a meal I'm going to cook a meal for you. I did that years and years ago. I did in fact cook a meal for, for somebody, thinking it, it was going to be this was going to be the big romance and it turned out not to be. It turned out not to be. So but but you will do it this year. All all the restaurants. There's going to be all sorts of special Valentine's Day meals which are going to put you in the mood for things, you know. And to be honest with you, all all you worry about is how much is it costing? And they go we have a, It's always more expensive for a Valentine's Day But you can go past the restaurants and people are sitting at tables and nobody's saying anything. Nobody says anything. It's all very depressing. You know, you'd think people would be sort of, you know, tongues down throats and, you know, snogging the face off somebody. Just doing anything because it's Valentine's Day. But, and it's supposed to be a romantic day, but it's not really. They say, oh, you know, eat oysters. That makes you amorous. It doesn't make you feel nauseous. It's really bad. You know, if, if, I mean, if, if you want to feel amorous, stay in, have a bottle of vodka. You know, you can feel amorous after that. At least you haven't got to stagger home from the restaurant. And they always go at the end of the meal, don't they? I can guarantee restaurants all around the country will be going, oh, don't tell them that. They'll be going, and for the lady, a rose. And you think, some blooming waiter's just given my wife a rose. Go away, you horrible little so-and-so. <laughs> it's all going to kick off in Coronation Street, apart from the smacking, which, is, which has kicked off a debate. But apparently uh, Corrie Starr, who pl- uh, Kate Ford, who plays Tracy Barlow, is going to get married, as you know. Uh, next week to Simon Gregson, Steve McDonald, but luckily Becky Granger uh, is is going to move in and gate crashes the ceremony, armed with the evidence to prove that Tracy lied about the death of her unborn twins. And Kate reckons that time that Tracy's evil antics caught up with her. Oh, she's horrible, isn't she? She plays horrible very well. It used to be somebody in in Brookside years ago. She was she was blonde and she was mad as a broom. She really was. But I, but but sort of uh, I think Kate Ford. Tracy Barlow, she's really evil. She's got one of those sort of faces. It's like, I know what I'm going to get, and I'm going to get it come hella high water. But she's going to get her comeuppance because Becky's going to be there. wee. Can't wait for that one. That'll be quite exciting. Not that I'm watching the thing, so I generally catch them on the, uh, on the rebound. Facebook, does it make you sad? I talked about smacking this morning, and 90% of you, 90, a good 99% of you, are saying that, that you think it's, it's OK to smack you know, you think it's it's not you know, not a thrashing, not beating the living daylights out of somebody. What you're doing is is just sort of, you know, making sure that they know the difference between right or wrong right, and they won't do it again. New convert to your morning mayhem says Mark, I'm listening to the extra bit in the evenings as well. The Slap, I think, was on Channel 4 a few weeks ago, a highly acclaimed Aussie show based around several families at a barbecue, and one of them has to s- uh, slap their small son. One of the families complained to the authorities on the storyline around what different people saw. No, it's, it's Coronation Street. It's the girl who pulled, pulled the creosote in the water. She was given a slap round the back of the legs. And, um, and pe- people have complained, saying it, it just isn't right. You know, it's, 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 it's not good. Alan says, read the smacking... If there's a pub fight, do you think they're receiving a punch in the face? No, certain angle it looks like a punch. I haven't seen the smacking on the program, but I'm sure the smacking of the the sound of the smack was dubbed. I'm sure all the drinking at the uh, at the thing is, is not real booze. Probably apple juice or iced tea. Oh, absolutely, they, they wouldn't get they, they wouldn't waste their money. On real booze. It's like, they do have to cook food, but I'm led to believe it's stone cold by the time they get round to filming. So they have to pretend it's yum, 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 which, of course, it isn't yum, yum, yum at all. It's come from a catering wagon just outside. But no, they, they, they never give people real booze. And they don't really smack. You know, it's 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 just pretend because it's a TV programme. You know, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's reflecting what goes on in life. Read the military cuts, Steve. Uh, I would... Uh, Rather be a high-ranking officer being laid off than a squaddy, says Ian. Actually, str- strangely enough, it's, you know, the axe always falls hardest on the Gurkhas. They're our most loyal troops. The honour to them to serve Britain is massive. The wages also keep whole families, and in some cases, villages going. Oh, I know. I've seen the, the adverts where the, the Gurkhas, some of them quite old now, have to walk for days to pick up a, you know, a meagre pension, but they need it because that's the only thing they've actually got, I'm afraid. I never hit my son. Because I love him too much, it would break my heart to see him cry. He's 18 years old, I've never hit him in his life. Well, you think he'd cry if you hit him? He's 18, must be a bit of a wuss, you know, to cry to be hit. No, you have to discipline, you have to discipline. Not, you know, you don't have to, so, You know, it doesn't have to be hard. Jan says my granddaughter at 10 still loves to play. We were playing Banks the other day, and I asked for a loan to buy another house. She said because I've been such a good customer, I could have the money, didn't have to pay it back. We like games like that. Uh, Steve, my mum slapped me in front of my friends. Yeah, so sometimes parents can't can't handle children being very naughty, and sometimes mothers mothers just snap, don't they? They don't have any, you know, any parenting skills themselves because they've only learnt it from from their parents. So, it, and if nobody's told them about it, it's a bit of a shame, really. If parents were stricter with children growing up and introduced them to the word no. Says Johnny, father of five, a lot of pain in later years could be avoided. The worst thing is the spoilt child, who to me is the product of useless parents. Think of the embarrassment of Tamara Eccleston, Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan and all the other brats. The parents are partly to blame. I saw the father of that dim kid, Kirk, from the Essex Big Brother drivel. Daddy's built him a house and seems to indulge him, a disaster waiting to happen. Yes, he had to because he's left the, uh, the mother. And so it's kind of payback time and of course they're doing it publicly on television. They've got nothing in common at all. They've got absolutely nothing. I saw them trying to have a conversation the other day. It was, I mean, one's, one's thick and the other one really doesn't know his son at all. It's, it's really an embarrassment, the whole thing. And, of course, it, and he's just being flashed because he's trying to sell the house. That's why it's featured on the programme a lot. Johnny is, uh, he says, I want to be 44. Uh, Me too. He's gym-bound, though, and looking for Eamon. Eamon Holmes, honestly. It'd be nice, actually, if Eamon Holmes went to the gym this year. That'd be quite good because he is, he is actually getting bigger and bigger. He's like a small barrage balloon at the moment. You could You could tether him outside Sky, I think, quite easily. I don't know when he eats, because you, you don't ever see him eating. Well, I've been to a few few charity do's, and he does, uh, does... it. I love looking at the women on the Sky, because their hair never moves. It doesn't... Th- there could be a gale-force wind going through the studio, and the hair is rock-solid. <clears throat> Concrete. It's a bit like years ago. Known for it was a, a children's BBC presenter, who I couldn't possibly mention, Andy Crane. And Andy Crane used to wear lots of hairspray, in the studio, because he's got fine hair. He's still got a full head of hair. and uh, But he, he used an awful lot of hairspray in his hair. I myself used to use Cossack hairspray. Happy days, happy days. 14 minutes past six. LBC 97.3 Nineteen minutes past six. Don't forget the uh, breakfast show. With Nick Ferrari and the team with you at seven o'clock this morning, just after Susan Bookbinder has brought you uh, all the latest updates, including what was going on at the, uh, at the White House overnight, because there was uh, all sorts of shenanigans going on there. And, uh, and I can tell you what's happening with Nick Ferrari this morning, because uh, they'll be looking at the inflation figures, the interest rates, the price, hikes. And uh, how much is it really to be a Londoner? You know, especially if you're a commuter, because it costs a small fortune now. Uh, we'll have the latest from the uh, St Paul's camp. And also, has the novelty worn off the Boris bikes? Has it? I don't know. I've got two little keys for the Boris bikes. It's a bit cold at the moment for cycling, but I do have them. And uh, he'll be speaking with the actress, model and former Bond girl, Joanna Lumley. I didn't know she was a former Bond girl. I've done some uh, some gigs with her. Love her to pieces. Uh, Declan Harvey will be reporting on uh, how expensive it is to be in London, the rise of car parking at Stations. I think he's going to be at, uh, at Seven Oaks. Lovely. Sylvia, good morning. Oh, good morning. Morning. So, have you have you seen the Coronation Street episode? Yes. Right, it's already been aired then. Yeah,
3: yes, I've seen it, yes. Right. She deserved
0: to snack, didn't she? Well, to be honest with you, I, I, I saw it the other week, it must be the other day, when somebody was peering in the pond, and I'm assuming she was putting the creosote in. Yes. And what's she done it for? for I'd lock her
3: in the shed. Oh, I
0: I would have pushed her into the (laughs) pond. So
3: would I. I'd (laughs) I'd have held
0: her under the water.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if you watch Mrs Brown and Sons, do you? No. Oh, it's it's a comedy, it's so funny. But she smacks her boys around the head with a tea towel.
0: Oh, well, that seems all right, you say. I mean, we used to do it, kids at school, with a towel. Yes.
3: Kids My coming out of the shower used to time. do it all.
0: Yes, all the time. Do me, no harm. Well, I th- I think, actually, it makes people better. Pe- it makes you appreciate things. It does. I don't understand why people get their knickers in a twist. We've had, you know, people also, have argued when I was over the years.
3: Young, if you played up in the street, the policeman used to smack you and take you home, and then your dad used to smack you again.
0: Uh, really? <laughs> oh,
3: blimey. You know, he was playing through from school.
0: Why well, didn't no police were allowed to hit you as
3: well? <laughs> oh, yeah, they did when I was young.
0: Oh, well, you I'm must be a little I'm bit older than me. I'm I'm, I'm 43. Oh, you're, oh, right, a little bit older. <laughs> Only a French.
3: So and if he was naughty in the street, if, <clears throat> the policeman would give you a smack, take you home, and then your father would give you another smack. for the policeman bringing you home.
0: Wow. Oh, oh the humiliation, I should imagine, <laughs> of being brought home actually by a policeman, and oh, the well, policeman yes, would take he his helmet off. Oh. They
3: used to ride about on bikes in them days, didn't they? Yes, yes. But you must watch Mrs Brown and Sons. It's on BBC One and on 9.30 on Mondays.
0: Bless your heart. Are you one of the writers of it or something? Oh, no,
3: no, it's, just,
0: <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh, it's I, shall, really I shall check it, it out. Sure.
3: It's, it used to be in Father Ted.
0: Oh, right, yes, yes, I love Father yes, Ted. and he's
3: a drag, drag he's he dressed as a woman in
0: it. Oh, right. He's
3: up the West End, but you can't get tickets to see him, because he's sold out everywhere.
0: You see? Well, that's, I always think, if somebody sells out, that's, that's a good indication, Sylvia, of how good they are. I think I've seen the adverts. He was in, oh, his Father Ted was, he was in Father Ted. I was watching that the other day. I was watching a few things the other day, some old... i tell you what I watched. started watching last night. I don't know why. I was going through my DVDs thinking, you know, when you look through the television, and that's why I bought the Apple TV thing, which I haven't put in yet. I'll get round to it, Lou, a bit later. But I, w- I decided to watch Brideshead Revisited again. And I don't think they ever got smacked in Brideshead Revisited at all. I don't think anybody was ever smacked because it's, it's just... It's filmed at Castle Howard, and it's just so lovely. It just really is. It's a Vanbrugh building, and it's just stunning. And to actually sort of, you know, pretend, even if you pretended you lived there, what a great pretense. It would be full of rooms and, oh, just wonderful, wonderful. I I keep meaning to go up there and have a look at it. I've never seen it, but you imagine meeting somebody in in a pub and say, we'd like to come back for something to eat. And then you you turn up at the bottom of the hill and you look up at this huge Vanbrugh house. Check it out, Castle Howard. It's it's really lovely. Uh, Pat says, my husband and I enjoy listening to you. It's my birthday today and I'd love a mention this morning. Has he not bought you a card? Not again. Oh, blimey, honestly. Why do men forget buying birthday cards? You know, it's your birthday. They go, I brought you something in bed. And you go, a little bit nice. And so they bring you tea and toast. And you think, I mean, toast is the kind of thing you shouldn't really eat in bed. Because you get the crumbs everywhere and it's just, it's, it's just messy. I had a crumpet yesterday. Very excited about that, a crumpet. And to be honest with you, I don't think I'm ever going to eat crumpets again. I've decided that the most boring things I've ever eaten. <laughs> Being in my 30s, says Gay, like you, we too didn't need money at school, but I still have the folded ten-bob note which was kept in my blazer top pocket for emergencies. A taxi home with change. Ten-bob note. Actually, if you used to open a birthday card years ago and there was a ten-bob note in it, mummy, you thought you'd arrived. You know, And if there was a pound... A pound note in a birthday card. Nowadays, you don't get anything like that, do I just had to do one for my brother's uh, daughter. She just turned 18. And, of course, sadly, 18 is the new 21. And I couldn't remember how much he'd given his other daughter. I said, well, what did I put in her birthday card? He said, he said, you put £100 in. I went, did I? So I had to put £100 in the other one's birthday card as well. And it got there. It got there. We got there in one piece. I'm very lucky at sending money through the post. I'm, I'm a very clever person. But uh, that, that's what it costs you now. You know, for somebody's 18th birthday, £100. It's difficult to know what to... what to, Because you can't buy presents. Can't even just had Christmas. And they, and they turn 18 in January and you think, oh, God, this is terribly expensive, you know. <laughs> They've had nice Christmas presents. I think she got a camera, Tash, and now, now she's got the £100. But th- at that age, they always need money. My day, it was 21 and you never got anything like that. If, if, if you actually got £20 at the end of the day, you thought you'd arrived. So, this morning, we, we've talked about smacking. And I think we don't actually... Um, we don't actually mind about that. It's a soap opera. And she was a very naughty girl. She did, um, she did sort of pour creosote and kill the fish, which is not very good at all. And, um, and so she deserved the smack, which is, which is very good news. Uh, one here that says, I've been asked to appear on Britain's Got Talent. I got an email from Talkback Thames, Indie of the Year. It just said, potential TV opportunity, asking to send my phone number... I'll tell Emma I wasn't interested. She seemed amazed and said there's a £500,000 prize. And so I've agreed to audition on Feb the 7th. Brenda is the human magnet from Holloway. The human magnet. One can only imagine. You don't stick cutlery to yourself, do you? Do you think there's there's a profile in that going on there? I don't know. And uh, another one here says, uh, Joanna Lumley was in on Her Majesty's Secret Service as one of the girls brainwashed by Blowfelt to go distribute his poison gas, says Josephine Kingsbury. Thank you very much indeed. Now I know. Now I know. Steve, the Gurkha job losses is a Cameron's Revenge for the pension victory that Joanna Lumley helped with. Yes, that wouldn't <laughs> surprise me in the slightest. And uh, another one here. Uh, I've just woken up in the May Day Croydon, now waiting for an op on an appendix uh could you call wikipedia they have your date of birth wrong says you were born in 53 you don't need to call wikipedia you can change it on a daily you can put down 1800 if you want makes no difference nobody takes a blind bit of notice of anything that's on wikipedia i'm afraid it's always wrong always always wrong uh listen just about it for this morning um i have to remind you as well don't forget the um the free podcast which will be available probably in about 45 minutes' time. It'll be, it'll be out there. Holly works very hard. Little fingers to the bones. Get the thing up there. So we'd, we'd, we'd record the programme in about five minutes' time. And uh, then it'll be up there for you later on, which costs you not one penny piece. Details on lbc.co.uk. lbc.co.uk. want to find the Steve Allen page, then just do forward slash steve. And that will take you through as well with, uh, with all the things that you need to know on there. And thank you for downloading it. Thank you for putting us in the iTunes chart. Very grateful. Just time to run through the front pages of the papers. Laugh of the morning, of course, is the little desperado uh, couple. That's Rodri Giggs and the naff wife. Because uh, they've been pictured together. Apparently they're getting back together again. He looks like the biggest plank under the sun and she just looks like... Just looks like a cheater, I'm afraid, and that's it. But apparently they're getting back together again. I think, to be honest with you, I think we would all agree on that, that they really deserve each other. They absolutely do. Uh, We talked about uh, the EU, who can't kick out al Qatada. This is the jailed hate preacher. He can't be uh, jailed because of his human rights. He hates this country, hates us, but he apparently wants to stay here because he's on the benefits. Uh, The Daily Mail... Uh, Get back on the ship, that's an order. The Coast Guard's furious call to the Captain Coward as the cruise passengers drowned. They found more people, I'm afraid, some more bodies have been found. Uh, The Daily Express this morning, the dramatic first pictures of the terrified passengers fleeing the stricken wreck. Uh, The Daily Mirror, Captain Coward, and the girl who dressed as a lad to trick two young female pals into sordid sex games. Plus, the Coronation Street, smack outrage. Not so much of a smack outrage as uh, absolutely justice being done for this vile child poisoning fish. I know it's only a soap opera, but we like to get outraged by things. I'm back with you tomorrow morning from 4 till 6.30. Have yourself a nice day, wrap-up warm. Don't forget, probably snow up north by the end of this week. Don't forget to check out all the free podcasts. Coming up next, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder.
3: Hey there, business travel.